Ernest, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look, Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Mondays. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Mondays for your extended 30-day free trial. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This episode of the Market Monday's World Tour is brought to you with limited interruption by Ally. Yes, Sersky. Yes, we're back. Welcome yes. back to Market, Market Mondays. It's, Legendary. Uh, I, I would say. Like the conversation <laughs> y'all had yesterday. For sure. We had amazing <laughs> conversations all, sure. all weekend, man. And I, I, it never amazes me how many people watch the show and how many people have been impacted by the show and how many people have made money and changed their families' lives. Yes. It, it I mean, every time you get to step outside of like your home or you step outside your city and you hear the impact, it's incredible, man. So shout out to everybody that ran up on us this weekend and told us about how much money they made. Uh we're gonna get into some of these earnings, but uh congrats to all of yeah. you. Shout out to the Gramley family. Shout out to Killer Mike EYL alumni. Yes. Um it's a sweet right. Bro, congrats, and then they swept them. <laughs> Nasty game, that was dirty, fam. That's a dirty game, man. I knew you was here the whole weekend. Why y'all did that? Well, the political he, clock game is crazy. I think he, 24 is gonna be happening. I think he's out all year. They got him out. Shout out to Killer Mike, three three Grammys. That was dope. Well um, deserved. Well deserved. For sure. And shout out to everybody, you know, that 
won a Grammy or was nominated for a Grammy or was just, you know, out outside, man. We had a lot. We'll talk about that later yeah. on. We had an epic weekend for sure. But um, yeah, shout, shout out to, to Hov for getting his uh, Dr. Dre Impact Award. Shout out to his speech. Yeah. Travesty. That is Beyonce not having an album of the year, which is absolutely ridiculous. And in the travesty that SZA didn't get album of the year or R&B yeah. album of the year. This is crazy. She wasn't even nominated, but I digress. Shout out to SZA. Shout out about to get a Grammy and Super Bowl back to back weekends. <laughs> Shout out to she and she about to have the. How was the B not playing, boy? Shout out to the TDE fam. Love. So, um, big week for EYL. Um, we got Andre Iguodala and Evan Turner, and uh, that was fun. ourselves. We went to one of the most prestigious universities in the world um penn the university of penn ivy league school yep. wharton school of business which is probably the best business school in the world and um we gave a, a lecture of sorts and it's more so of a conversation as opposed to an interview because we they into they asked us questions we asked them questions and um that was a very um big moment for us to be able to you know go to to Warren School of Business and speak, we did that about a month, month and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be the episode for this week. We're going to put that out. So yeah, that was a big uh, day for us. So we're going to put that episode out tomorrow. So a lot of gems um, on that from us and from them. So check that out tomorrow. That, that's that's coming out at one o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and then um, the time has come. So uh, uh oh. You know, drum roll. Market uh -oh. Mondays. Drum roll. You know, we always we, we we talk about a variety of different topics, but sometimes we don't we can't really get into that after dark vibe. Um, you know, I think we have conspiracy hour, ain't it? Yeah, conspiracy hour for sure. So <laughs> <laughs> the moment has come. New show alert. Myself and Ian Dunlap, we have created a new show called Blackout. Yes. Uh airing this Wednesday, 10 o'clock. Yes, live stream. And this is going to be everything that we can't talk about on Market Mondays. So, uh, Vince McMahon, the financial freak off. Yeah. Reptilians. The financial freak off has been trademarked. This is, <laughs> this is for, this hey. is for, this is for put the kids to bed. This is that after hours. Yeah. We're going to get to it. We're going to talk about, yes, the conspiracy theories, the dark world of politics, ancient Egypt. Yes. I'm not talking about the dark world of politics, though. <laughs> no, no, we got we, we it's... that religion. I'm new. Yeah. <laughs> but send, send, else. send the show notes over, please. Wives, okay, cool. But unfiltered, uncut, blackout yep. hour, ten o'clock Wednesday streaming. Um, this is going to be fun. How y'all feeling? Be fun. How y'all feeling? I, 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 might have to, I might have to do the interview. Like, how how y'all feeling? How this came about? Y'all excited? Super excited. Um, last year I was chill. I was in my like, let me be calm mode. This year I'm ready to go back crazy. So <laughs> I got the year kicked off with the financial freak off. Cool. N now turn it, time to turn yeah, it up. I won't. Um, I feel like I won't be able to referee this. I'll, I'll be tuning in EP in this thing. <laughs> for sure. Executive <laughs> producer credits. Um, yeah, leather jacket in. Shook shoddy. Ooh. Ooh. Hey. Pineapple juice Ian's back. <laughs> hey. Pineapple juice Ian hey. has returned. It's going to be that. It's going to be that vibe. It's going to be that vibe. Yeah, so yeah. Market Mondays for all the education, latest in stock market and all of that. Um, But, you know, we have views outside of the world of investing. Yeah. Um, So 
these are things that we already <laughs> talk about a lot, but we, like I said, sometimes we can't go into like full fledged, you know, sicko mode. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the rabbit hole of destruction, the rabbit hole of destruction. <laughs> that's a fact. So this is going to be that man. Blackout, blackout Wednesday, 10 o'clock. We're going to have some fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be yeah. fun. All right. Um, yes. So we have a big show today. We have a guest, Roland Martin. Legend. Legend in the game. Absolutely has legend. interviewed presidents, um, you know, a, a pillar when it comes to black media um, and never one to uh, be shy with his words. He's a, a, lot, very, a lot of words. Very opinionated person. He has mm -hmm. strong opinions. So this is political season. We've been talking about a lot of politics lately. But I think it's important for him to come and talk about the economic side of what the Democrats have done with the what the Republicans have in store. Um, it's a lot going on. So um, I'm interested in, in hearing his conversation for sure. We saw him at the vice president's gala. That's the last time that we saw him. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, thought it would be a good idea to get him on the show. So we got him. Um, but before we start, you know, we got a lot of stuff to talk about that happened in the market. Then at the end of the show, we'll talk about our, our adventures and Grammy weekend because uh, it's been pretty historic. Uh, but before we start, Ian, do you have any announcements? Yes, Red Panda Stock Club call will be Wednesday at 9 p.m. Central. If I made you money, please put yes in chat. Shout out to Mike Rashid. I won't say what he got coming out, but it's fire. Shout out to my brother, Ye Ali. Um, I want to say rest in peace uh, and send my condolences to Jury's mom. Praying for you. Rest in peace to Ian Schwartzman's dad that passed away last week. Um, go love on your people. I don't wish that pain on anybody. Um, go check on your relatives, check on your family. Uh, Super Bowl, I will be out there. So if you are out there in Las Vegas for Super Bowl, let's get to it. Let's make some money. And if I've made you money, please put yes in chat. 2024 is going to be amazing. And shout out to my brother, Rotimi. He got something coming too later this year. None of these are ads. These are just people I rock with. So for y'all getting to eat, taking a bag under the table. Now I need my money on top. Oh. Net, oh, yeah. now. Net now. That Prince and Minx. Um, do remember? Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Get my fit together too. Call for reminder. A fortieth birthday party, Prince and Minx, uh, New York City. Yeah, we're gonna do it. Uh, soft reminder. Vegan fur and courage. Yeah. Birthday. Uh, happy birthday to to my mother-in-law. It's your pop's birthday, right? This week. Happy birthday to my pops tomorrow. Yeah. Happy happy birthday, birthday in advance to that. Um, we usually do it at the end, but since we're talking about birthdays, yeah, let's let's get that out the way. And I gotta say, happy birthday to my baby Xander. I love you so much. You're everything I've dreamed of and more. I saw your courtside seats. That's what we're doing. Yeah, my baby. He wants to go to the game and you know, shout out to Dylan Brooks. I thought he was gonna be in Shanghai, but he in Houston. Um yeah, yeah, apologize. Jeff Green. The apology has been rejected from both of you. <laughs> we was tripping. Shout out to Drea. Drea not pregnant. Joe stop. Could be a messy. Stay out of women's business. Ah ah ah. Shout out to Jalen. That's what we do. <laughs> Yo, disclaimer, please. Shout out to the uh, Joe Legend. <laughs> but go ahead. We'll talk about it Wednesday. Our content is intended to be used. It must be used for informational purposes only, not slander. Uh, it is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you hear on our show and wish, wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise. Shout out to everybody that's taking the information, giving credit to the information. This is just, you know, a message brought to you by the good brothers at Earn Your Leisure and the good brother Ian Dunlap, the master investor himself. Yeah, We've made you money. 
you can put yes in chat. We saw what happened last week. We know you made money. Shout out to everybody that was in the game and, and didn't have to figure out how to chase the game. Sometimes you just put the, the, the plays in position and let them do what they need to do. So let's talk about it. Without yeah. going any further ado, Meta, let's start the show off. Yes. Start the show off with Meta. Um, no, slight pullback today, but uh, blockbuster earnings report last week, man. It uh, incredible, it crazy. Right after um, they had uh, Zuckerberg in front of Congress and, and made him apologize, which was uh, insane. But we'll talk about it. That was a moment. Yes, that was a moment. They made him. They made him apologize and and, and all of that, and um, kept his composure. And the next day, the very next day, Meta stock went up over eighty dollars. Um, and it was going crazy. Earnings report, blew out earnings, announced the stock buyback Ooh. and dividend plan. Um, so a lot of money was made. I think he personally made $30 billion um, a day. that day. So uh, it, it was one of these things, man. Meta is here to stay. Yeah. So um, hold on. Before we go any further, though, <laughs> hey, dog, Tyler, <laughs> I'm going to issue my apology to you. Uh, so point number one, TikTok is not taking over IG. <laughs> Hold on, let me hear that again. The moment we've been waiting for. TikTok. Damn. Uh, shout to uh the Chinese Communist Party, but damn, what happened? But TikTok is not overtaking IG, so I'm going to leave with accountability. Now, for everybody who like Ian's wrong about Meta, I said the death of Facebook, and then they changed the name. Now, I'm going to get into what I got right and what I got wrong later, too. But mm-hmm. I, I want to issue my apology to start the TikTok is not overtaking IG at this moment. I appreciate and that, it. The senator did. That was performative bullshit, too. Say it again. Oh, yeah. The senator. Which is the senator. Oh, yeah. You yeah. want to apologize to the parents. Like, no one knows who you are, sir. That's what it is. It's all clout to try to get their name. Yeah. Their name. yeah. But the meta thing, you know, um, yeah, you know, it's one of these things, right, where sometimes in life, what what PD Don't crack graceful with the punch punch? No, as PD crack once said, <laughs> I ain't hove, I just know what I know. So sometimes in life, <clears throat> I'm not an expert on, on a variety of different things, but there are a few things that I consider myself an expert on, and social media is one of them. And um, yeah, the earnings report is one thing, and you know, you but <clears throat> I just knew that meta had a stranglehold on the culture. When you look at Instagram um, and then, you know, traveling a lot overseas and then, you know, noticing that everybody uses WhatsApp and then still realizing how powerful Facebook was, is, I'm just like, yo, I don't know if Meta's going to fall. And then, um, you know, <coughs> it had its, um, it's had, they trying to send me to Airborne. <laughs> yo, come on, man. Come on. That, you, like, that's close proximity, bro. So the spot me by Alka and I would, I would, I would like to, I would like to just acknowledge that I've been left out this equation. I also said that Meta uh, would not die, just based on sheer numbers. Mine was more of an analytical look at the company. Um, but I appreciate you acknowledging that, right? Uh, and I know that you'll go back into the social media part of the actual function of the app and the function of the company. But the numbers yeah. don't lie, right? Like when we talked about it, and that was like probably November of twenty-two. It was at a point where we started to see decline in active users, and we saw it that even before then. Yeah, yeah, and then the congressional hearings, which is interesting because we watched it have the largest decrease in market cap value in the history of the stock market. Yep, 
only for 18 months later for them to turn around and have the largest appreciation of market cap in yeah, the one history day. of the stock market. We're talking about an incredible turnaround. So it's tough to predict that, right? Like it's tough to predict that. So it's like, if anyone's like you or you, you were wrong, you were historically, this has never happened before, yeah. right? So well, let's, let's put that I, in context. I, I just want to keep going. I was, I was feeling it, why you get in the water. Is, it, so I say that to say, sometimes in like, you never encourage somebody to invest off of feeling. You never encourage somebody to invest just because, but there is some science to actually knowing a product, having a strong pulse on it. And sometimes you know something because you're just very entrenched in the situation, which gives you an advantage over Wall Street insiders or people that might be looking at charts. Sometimes you just... You just know. You oh my God! Be... Was that a shot at Ian Rashad? No, 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 no. no. We don't do a forum this year. <laughs> oh my God! They're finally getting back into it. They want this so bad. You heard what he said. <laughs> chart master. When you gonna hold your boy? Throw your charts out. Throw so your charts nah, out. Nah, don't nah. read the. Don't read the earnings. Nah, so, but, so, nah, but, but get but, on social media. But I, but I will say this about TikTok. So if you look at, we put a, um the top five apps, right? So the number one app is um facebook with three billion um users by far uh youtube yeah. with 2.4 billion mm -hmm. users whatsapp with 2 billion users instagram with 2 billion users and TikTok with 1.5 billion users so TikTok is very formidable um, and it was crazy because meta actually tried to buy TikTok, so and they got blocked by the government so um imagine if they actually own TikTok. now is it's over. it's over four no, no. they already have three of the top five apps they would have four and then messenger is a top 10 app as well so i mean th theoretically doesn't that make it over already though if you got three of the top five no no, no i'm just saying that's why they're so strong yeah. but i'm just saying yeah. if they had TikTok with that then it's just lights out ladies and gentlemen that's so true. but tick i say i have to say TikTok is still around still and at some point in time they they still do have to have a, they have a TikTok problem they still have a TikTok problem, yeah, and, and and you know it's something that they um have to address because it's not like Vine. All of the other companies they were able just to get rid of, either they purchased them out or they just stole. Like so, Vine, um, Snapchat, yeah. Uh, what's the other one? There's a few, um, but a few in the grave. Yeah, <laughs> TikTok is still is still around. They have yeah. not, they have not um been put underground yet. So. I will say that, but you know, I just think that Mark Zuckerberg is one of the—he's definitely one of the greatest CEOs of all time. And I think that you know, regardless, this era. Yeah. regardless how you feel about him, I'm just saying from a business standpoint, right? To you know, rebrand the, the company, go into the metaverse—that doesn't work. Okay, keep your composure, look at the holes, just keep working. Um, you know, block out the noise. The guys go in front of Congress every single week at one point. Like, yeah, that's crazy. You know, yo. That's a, that's a, that's a stressful situation, right? And then to to lead the company back um, yeah. to beating earnings, to you know, it, it, that's not easy to do, right? So I do think that a lot of credit he has to he has to receive a lot of credit from a leadership standpoint to be able to um, steer that ship back on track. And now they're they're, they're back, back over again. I mean, it's an it's an incredible feat. They uh, increased in monthly users. They increased in daily users. And so they're doing something right. 
the stock buyback is i mean i don't know if anybody saw that coming right when you're talking about taking shares off the market and now and it, it was definitely time yeah well that's what i'm saying well people and even that people are like well what does that even mean so just to give context right when you when you see a company buy back stocks that means they're taking they're buying back their own stock which means it's less stock for the public which means the ones that remain now increase in value and so that's a brilliant move then the dividend play we've made so much that we're now going to give money back to shareholders which is a smart way to keep retention inside of the stock well, i'll talk about it in a second you just keep keep people really into the brilliant. stock you you admittedly talked about your flaws with with the metaverse right the initial amount was 50 billion they said that they spent about 13 to 15 billion okay well that thus far that hasn't panned out but on the unfortunate side is that you also cut a lot of jobs and that's the part that isn't fact like when you cut nineteen thousand jobs like and i had these are high paying paying positions and so the bottom line gets cut by nineteen thousand jobs who let's say the average salary is 200 maybe you're talking about millions of dollars that you're in savings right so you're actually and that's one of the things he spoke about we're going to find out ways to be more efficient with what we have how do we do more with less? Yeah. These 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 are the so like when you start to see companies and you're trying to figure out like how how are they making so much, right? We watch Amazon, they beat their earnings, right? Nobody talked about that. Everybody was like, hey, look how far you know Facebook has appreciated the 30 billion dollars for Zuckerberg, but quietly, and not maybe not so quietly, Jeff Bezos made 12 billion on Thursday. 12 on a billion on the humble, <laughs> right? So they also cut jobs and so you start to see these things these are the ways that companies are trying to figure out how we're going to make the bottom line yes we're going to cut jobs we're going to be more efficient but i got to give like you said zuckerberg a lot of credit for calling out the flaws and really showing composure right like i said yeah. the day he was in front of congress and he got up and he spoke i didn't think he would but he did extreme composure the next day he knew what happened it was going to happen see ceo maybe maybe of the decade more so than Tim? Yeah, that's far. That's far. It's four years in. We're four years in. I think him and Jensen are in the running. It, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Him and Jensen are really the kind Those two. Those two. Apple revenue is still sliding on a quarterly basis, though. We'll talk about that later. Yep. So you definitely make a good point. Um, Let me highlight what, what I could have done better. So, like, normally when I get into some little spats with my little babies, you know what I mean? I lead with, you know what, you're right. Let me tell you what I could do better next time, right? So I could have named the price where to get in after they laid off 11,000 people. When the changes were made, I could have, but last year I did highlight it. Like after I had my four or five meetings with uh, Meta, some of the changes that I talked about were initiated. I'm not saying I'm the sole reason, but maybe a little molecule had something to do with it. Um, the layoffs. And then when they start stopped investing heavily into the metaverse, I think we talked about it last year um, that they were going to have a reversal. I didn't know that they were going to, you know, hit all time highs. And, um, but would we be here if they continue to invest in the metaverse? I don't think so. Um, the people who were affected, the 19,000 people who got laid off, that money became free off of the books, but it's the same capital that went into. So, opposed to paying employees, you're not going to pay out a dividend to the investor class. Brilliant idea. Um, so I, I know there's like a, section of the internet that wants to see my demise publicly it's not gonna happen but i will say even though i hadn't been the biggest fan of the stock in 21 and most of 22 i gotta commend mark for 
a hell of a turnaround in 24. Shout out to Jiren, Jiren Senior, Marn, everybody at HQ. I appreciate you. I'll be back soon. Um, but no, TikTok as a social media platform is not better than IG. I checked that off list twice. And if I made you money on NVIDIA, AMD, Lily. Hey. But then, hey. So I did. I went to the hey. video. I hold, went, hold real quick, real quick, because I don't want you to just breathe by those, those two names. We got We'll talk about Lily. We got to give you a lot of credit for that. We'll, we'll get there when we talk about the earnings. But NVIDIA, so I told you all circle the calendar, 20, uh, the 21st of, of uh, February. Yeah, we'll be reporting tomorrow. We'll talk about Lily. They'll be reporting. Whew. You want to talk about incredible? Maybe. Ooh. Talk about one of the calls of the year well, back to back. Before we leave this meta conversation, I went to the videotape and you actually did predict that it was going to go to 466. Um, a few Thank years, you, my brother. Yeah, for sure. So it, it's yeah. that. That's brotherhood. It's that four. Y'all are not getting us fighting. Tough. So you did. So you did. You did actually accurately predict the price for sure. Um, so the next question is meta stock. All right. That's the number one question, right? Should yes. you invest in meta? Is it too late? Do you have to wait for a pullback? What's the projection? Cause now everybody meta is on everybody's radar now. So it's like, okay, mm -hmm. now as far as for investors looking into meta, what's the, what's the game plan? How, how much growth is potentially possible for the rest of the year? Here's the thing. Um, meta and Mark was sneaky in the shade. Um, but there's this ocean of data that they have and all of our information and DMs, everything posted on Facebook, WhatsApp, that ocean of wall data. I think, and I said it last year too, in that same episode, um, they have some really good big plans in AI before the AI thing was talked about. So I'm interested to see what they do with all of that data over the next three or four months. Um, I can see them pushing up to, 528 or maybe 530 by end of the year as a result and i said it once i saw mark in the ring with um with izzy and elon didn't want to fight him that that boy was on a tear so um i have them going into the 530s but i think they're pushing to ai no one is talking about and i think it would have the greatest impact on the stock as far as when they get in you got to wait for it to pull back it should pull back in a couple weeks February is one of the worst months for the stock market because all the hedge fund money starts to flow in around March. So look for an entry this sometime this year, but maybe like 440 or 460. If you um, see 440 or 458 wouldn't be a bad entry if you're looking to get in, but be very patient. I wouldn't jump in now because of the hype. Wait for a price that you find is feasible. A 10% pullback would be great. And then you'll be a okay. But look out for what they're doing in AI because they're not talking about it. Same with Apple. Apple's being very quiet about whatever LLM they're building for Siri. Um, yeah. The race is going to get super competitive, and I'm excited to see what happens this year. Yeah, I think you touched on a number of good points. I was I was going to say in the 510 race conservatively, but the AI race, is, is that's the real thing, right? Like when, they, when they talked about their future guidance, um, I think it was very strategic of them two weeks ago when you were talking about uh, buying NVIDIA chips and how much money they spent. Very strategic. You're telling your investors, Absolutely. you're looking forward to the future. We're going to be part of it. We're going to be a leader in it. And to show you, this is what we're spending on probably the most important company of, of the past two years, which is NVIDIA. And so yeah. that that was a brilliant move. But I, I'm glad that you were. And if you didn't, I was going to do it for you. When people ask, when should I get, look at the look at historically, especially everybody since we've started to show in the past four years, look at uh, the return in February and March. 
just go back and look at the historically for the past four years how February and March have looked, and even early April um, when you, when we talk about investing, and it should give you a, a good indication of when a good time would be. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm with you on that. You said five thirties. I'm gonna go conservatively five ten, maybe to five fifteen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you all the way on that. And going back to traditional media being dead, they are the number one corporate who killed majority of it. Like. People don't want to watch Disney movies because you'd rather be on your phone trying to make yourself a star. It's really tough. Like, I don't know what the Washington Post is going to do in comparison to the stranglehold that they, that they have in their ecosystem. Um, but shout out to everybody at HQ. Shout out to everybody uh, before Marn, everybody who sent me a message when earners went up like crazy to brag. I appreciate you. Yeah, advertising dollars went up too. Absolutely. So the money's back. Yeah. So switching gears to another another company, that you know i had a feeling for and um i know the product um i know this product because uh, another dig it in <laughs> no i think you know the product as well um because we've had conversations about you know me um you know i live the, i live a life where i'm i'm ordering uber eats at least three times a week man um in ubers all the time traveling and um ubers had a lot of issues but I just see them. I'm like, damn, like the world really needs Uber. Like, you know, I don't know how the world exists without Uber at this point in time, at least from my personal vantage point. Yeah, I would be starving if Uber eats were in the room. Well, it hit an all time high today. Yep. Um, and quietly, the stock is up $25 um, in six months. It's at uh, 69 around $69 right now. Mm-hmm. So Uber, Uber is um, ripping and running. The stock is um, scraping the scrabble. It's hit. It's hit an all-time high. So, um, Uber is a is a company that we haven't really spent a lot of time talking on, and um, you know they've had competitors and issues and stuff like that. Issues with Uber drivers, but um, what's the thoughts on Uber? I've been saying it for the last two weeks. Um, not because he looked like Jason Statham when we saw him at the uh, VP's house. <laughs> But we we may have to make a case for Dara for being one of the best turnaround CEOs in this era. Um, I've been on that hail for the last two or three weeks. If you look at the numbers, uh, great CEO, great leader. If you look at what he did at Expedia, which is one of the best stocks of all time, mm-hmm. and a great job in terms of hospitality. I think Travis was a great founder, innovator. He lost his way. Um and then when Dara took position, I think he found a way to cut some costs and make margins a hell of a lot better. So it, it's kind of like when, well, I mean, Doc Rivers is, is back coaching. But um, when you have a leader or when you have a great asset or a team and then you get a better coach, sometimes what ends up happening is that you have great talent, but because they have a better leader, they perform well. And, and this is what is happening with Uber. They uh, have found a way to make margins better operating expenses go down a lot um slower and i think that they find a way to separate themselves to be number one in that class and pull themselves away from lyft and any other competitors that they have while also killing off some of the businesses that we're not doing incredibly well so this is all of his doing dar gets all the credit kudos to the team there um i have not been a fan of it up until this point but under his leadership i'm a little bit more favorable um for the app for sure we're favorable for them. I, I'll just say the three things, right? You brought them to profitability, right? Which is key. Which, which is yes. extremely key. You've you've addressed some some safety concerns that has that has been an issue. 
um, inside the company. And, and the third thing is that you've expanded your competitive advantage, right? Well, now people think rideshare, you know, I don't see Lyft as much. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it really isn't like you're choosing between the two. There really isn't yeah. a reason to use the other one. Um, and so, yeah, they've, they've done a great job marketing. I think that the Uber Eats has been the one of the, the the keys to the success, right? It's moved outside of just, hey, uh, you can now order food. Like chains are now figuring out how they're going to be incorporate ride sharing into their service. We spoke about Domino's yeah. six months ago and how big of a deal that was. Um, and so they, they've, they've done everything right over the past six to eight months. So we got to give them credit. We have to give them credit when it's due. Yeah. So you bullish on, on Uber going forward? Um, let me see. Let me look at profit margin still needs to improve, but under his leadership, I'm more favorable on it than I would have been a year ago. So I would say put it on your watch list for sure. It's a 69 bucks. It's one of the cheaper stocks that we talk about. Um, revenue solid $50 billion market cap enterprise values, 125 billion. Um, only thing they need to improve on is, is the operating margin a little bit and, and they'll, They'll be fine. But I like this solely because of him. Um, he's kind of like Andy Reedish. Not as great as Andy, yeah. but he's he is great at wherever he's been. He's had a positive impact because of his leadership skills. Um, so, yeah, I, I think probably in the next year and a half, they should hit like 105, probably. If yeah. the economy remains the same, if interest rates stay the same or get cut, and if they keep pouring money in, into the economy, I think they should hit 105 in like a year and a half. And, it, and they still have room for global expansion, right? When we think about the th places that we've traveled just in the past 45 days, when we were in Ghana, we could use yeah. Uber. When we were in Davos, we, yep. we use Uber. We went, if we're into anywhere you go, you're starting to see that imprint grow and grow. So yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. The profit, like him for context, Uber finally being profitable. The profit margin a year ago was negative 28%. He's running net negative. So for him to turn that around, whew, and that kind of logistics business is tough, um, but, but kudos to him. He, he's on my leaderboard for turnaround CEO of this decade for sure. Uber, once again, another product that I stand by. You got yeah. What's your products list? You got that? What else? Uber, Meta. Let me think about it. Apple, of course. Yeah. That's obvious. Yeah, that's obvious. We were nervous about it. We were right. Yeah, GPT. That's a uh, well, yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yep. Artificial intelligence. We should, you should put out a products list. I am. Yep. I am. Next that's next market Mondays. <laughs> product product list loading. Yes. <laughs> the, the ones that I stand by. So let's talk about some doom and gloom, shall we? Um, Robert Kiyosaki. Um, <laughs> You ever heard of that guy? Yes. He's Shout out to the legend. He was, he was legendary at one point. Rich he's dad, definitely, he's definitely is a legend. Rich dad, poor dad. I'm not going to deny that. Cash flow quadrant. For sure. Change the game. For sure. Um, but uh, so he said, let's let's play the video, shall we? Mike, cue the video. We're going to hit the March 2024 biggest crash is coming. And the guys with the ETFs and mutual funds and all that, they're going to stand over and bend up and kiss their ass goodbye. I wrote this book here, Who Stole My Pension? In 1974, America said to my generation, you no longer have a pension. You have to have what's called a defined contribution. So my generation, the old guys, 
I'm 76 years old. We have no money set aside for retirement, and the biggest crash in history is still coming, March 2024. And all those baby boomers who followed their financial planner's advice of the 60-40 equities, 40% bonds, how fucking stupid can you be? And they're going to get toasted March 2024. And I wrote about it in this book here, Rich Dad's Prophecy. Well, from the words of Mr. Kiyosaki himself, March 2024. All right. Oh, Robert. <sighs> wow. March 2024 will be the biggest crash in history. That's um a month away. So all the guys with, with index funds and ETFs are going to get smashed. He said um, anybody with a 60-40 portfolio, we talked about the 60-40 portfolio, um, they're going to get screwed. Um, They've been getting screwed all year. They they need an account of OnlyFans. And he talked about, you know, how the, the pension um, system. He, it's a very That's the truth of what he's saying. But uh, it's it's yes, for sure. It's always truth mixed with sensationalism, right? Yes. Um, but I mean, okay, this is something that he's somebody who's become a legend in the game of finances, right? So it's interesting to hear him have this take that it's going to all fall apart next month. If you're investing in ETFs, you're going to be screwed. Um, what's your take on this? Um, this is what happens when you don't diversify businesses and you need a way to stay hot and people usually do this through clout and sensationalism um the pension fund issue is partially true but the biggest crash in history you are meaning to tell me there is no catalyst that is being talked about that is going to lead to a crash that matches or mirrors the great depression impossible i'll take the other side of that bet all day um in order for a crash to happen you need a catalyst for it to happen so even though the yield curve has been inverted haven't had a crash the banking system would have to collapse they're letting all the small banks die or merge so the banks that are too big to fail can have safety um tech is doing incredibly well ai is doing well so they're setting up the new sectors that are going to lead the economy we'll talk about lily later healthcare is doing incredibly well so you need a reason for the market to pull back also in march once again that's when a lot of capital flows into the market and private equity has a lot of money sitting on the sideline to take advantage if a crash does happen we haven't had the market activate its levers in i don't know how maybe two years three years so we haven't even had a 10 percent drop inside of a day what is going to cause us to have like a 25 percent or a 30 percent pullback which will halt the market. So um, I don't know. Maybe he was drinking that day. Maybe he was misguided. <laughs> Maybe he wanted a great headline, but this is not happening. If it does happen, set your levels to 50% off from where we are now by then. But if COVID didn't send us into the greatest downward spiral ever, the, the COVID-22 that they're pumping out now isn't going to do it. So yeah i mean what what are the indicators right like, uh, shout shout out to, to uh, josh i was watching him uh, the other day and jc shout out to jc when he came on here yeah what are the indicators man like if we look at gdp if we look at inflation if we look at the unemployment if we look yep. at interest rates which are you know we, we everybody has predicted that they you know obviously maybe june could be march as early as march but they're, they're going to be going down at maybe five times uh throughout 2024 
what are the indicators that are showing this? I can't see them. And so it's, it, it, it's tough, right? Like, and I remember when we, we sent this in the chat, I was like, that's interesting because we heard Michael Burry say something similar and then we haven't heard from him in, in the past six months. Shout right? out to Michael. And now, I mean, yeah. we're not taking anything away from it's true. I mean, I was actually watching somebody was sitting next to me on the plane was watching the big short. And I thought that was interesting because I yeah. thought so. I'm like, remember in, in August of 23, we, the, the recession was supposed to, to happen in sometime in September or or yeah. early in, in January of, of this year. And we haven't seen it. So some of these predictions. I'm not. What, what are the indicators? That, and here's the thing. The data can be right. And the Fed can say. No, we don't want to. They changed the definition of what a recession was in front of our face and nobody did anything. Now, they said this about China. Uh, 30% of all stocks in China have been halted. The index slid 8%. Um, the Beijing 50 slid 5%. If he talked about China, I can see it. But even that, because of all the geopolitical threats that are going on, and we're starting to have like a deglobalization effect, if China market does fall 50%, we won't have immediate exposure to it. And it won't drag our market down. The Nikkei's doing well. The FTSE's doing pretty well. So I, I feel as if he would have pointed this crash to the Chinese stock market, he could have been spot on. Yeah. But to drive our market down 50%. That's tough. You look at before an election. Yeah. All the student loans will be eliminated. Right. All those, all those factors, all those factors. When when you put into the pot, it's like, well, how is this going to happen, right? When we even talked about that. Like, look at the economic conditions, and probably maybe mid year last year when we talk about delinquencies, yeah. those were up. That has changed. We talked about used car and new car sales. Yeah, that has changed. Uh, and so we talking about student loans. That's now in fact we haven't seen a number of delinquencies that we thought we would. Could that change? Perhaps, but is it going to happen in the short term? Like we're talking, we only got 30 days in, until March. Here's how you know why. Last week they put out a stat that I think 89% of all the global debt is on a fixed rate. Why would they put that out? Well, if it was a variable rate, you could have a case. But if the majority of auto loan debt, mortgages, and credit card debt are locked into a fixed rate, then you can predict delinquency rates when people would pay it off like I just think the comment was misguided. I think he means well. P Peter Schiff is another one that reports from doom and gloom. There's a lot of truth to what Peter says. But the government is going to do everything in combination at the right time, especially with BRICS becoming more formidable. Saudi just joined. They are going to make sure that we don't have this uh, big collapse where it could actually turn the tide. Because if we go into a... 24 25 cycle while we're on the ropes and bricks is getting stronger that's when they could begin to make a stronger push they're not going to let a recession happen um not this next year and definitely not by next month <laughs> they're on the clock so what he said he would say stuff like this just to kind of um sell his book or just this is the queen slip approach flip i love you but Sometimes online people want to be sensational to get the clicks and views. But when it just hurt, like let's say hypothetically that the market doesn't crash, right? What does he say? Like I miscalculated or is the government saying like for the last three years? Well, it's going to come eventually. There's a lot of people in, in if you are uh, familiar with investing, you have doom and gloom reports and newsletters that have been predicting crashes since 2009. They haven't happened. <laughs> 
Of course, COVID, we had a strong pullback. Quantitative easing went through the roof. You've had separate markets that have had issues. Inflations have gone incredibly high in certain countries. But there's a certain, if you're not educated, it's a certain sector of people that you can target, especially in this conspiracy wing, that you believe that a market is going to crash. Even after they revealed Zuckerberg's bunker, everyone was like, hey, go get colloidal silver, go build a bunker. Uh, I'm going to go get 2,000 pounds of beans. I'm like, man, if a meteor hits Earth, there's nothing we can do. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, if if, if he's wrong, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if there's a consequence for it. Right? We, we've seen I, it. If he's right, I'll come on here and shave off my head and eat a turtle live. A, a live turtle. Yeah. I remember seeing it. It's what, not going to happen. 2007, I think you were there. We, we sat down and we watched him speak about nickel being the commodity of the future. And how you know we needed to invest in it in two thousand. And this is like two thousand seven. Now it has with what almost fifteen plus years past that. I don't nickel hasn't been the commodity of the future, nor anywhere near it. Um, so I mean, they, what to make a prediction and not be right about it? I feel like that's just like the standard. And the thing is that you don't have to. You don't even have to speak about it. You can say, all right, you know, I was wrong, and move What's on. What's the sense of your take? Make a new one. It's going to crash. It's the worst crash ever. Or get a safe 12 to 13 percent growth per year by investing in index funds the crash always sounds and for all my traders you know most assets whether it's real estate stocks media if you do it right water oil gold um i'll save that for the blackout the, the other line i was going to say but <laughs> most commodities go up to the upside even in the destruction of civilizations and countries, when you there's no more real estate to buy, let me knock some buildings over and then I go over there and reinvest in that. Most assets go up in super cycles, 20 to 40 years. I talked to the stock club about this two weeks ago. Even calling for a crash, most crashes only last 18 months after they happen. The real money is uh, holding on for the long term. He's pro crash, but pro gold. Gold is going to the upside. So next Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will be with our good friend Robert Smith at Carnegie Hall and the governor yes. of Maryland, Westmore. And speaking of bunkers, Ricky Rose, I saw he's building a bunker um, <laughs> with his bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> with his bare hands. Yes, yes. Shout out to Rose. Anytime we get to talk to Robert Smith, that's always a honor. And a pleasure. So get your tickets, Carnegie Hall, ladies and gentlemen. That's going to be uh, a night to remember. All yes. right. Um, so before we bring our guest on, um, let's talk about Apple, shall we? Vision Pro, taking the world by storm. <laughs> um, there are multiple videos of people walking down the street aimlessly with the Vision Pros on, about to get hit by a car. Um, <laughs> Apple marketing department going crazy. Oh, hopefully know. not, please. <laughs> Somebody was at the um, front. They was uh, front row at the Celtics game with the Vision Pro on. So yeah. This Vision Pro, you ordered the Vision Pro, right? I did. I did. Did you get it yet? Uh, I'm picking it up uh, tomorrow. Uh, I ordered it. Obviously, it dropped Friday, and uh, we were on our way uh, here to L.A., so I didn't get to pick it up, but. First thing, uh, when we get back, I'm going to the store to pick mine up. I'll have them on. I'll have them on uh, next week here on Market Monday, so everybody okay. can see live and see what this thing is about. But all, all all the reviews have been pretty pretty incredible. You know, they said that 
there's some 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 kinks obviously having that battery pack um <laughs> is an issue um some people complain about the size of it or that the head strap was a little bit uncomfortable but nobody's talked about oh, yeah. <laughs> okay you got me <laughs> Oh, oh what damn how you, you, got me. How you got me you got me you got me you got me the the, the functionality um has, you know from all the reviews that i've seen has just been incredible you're talking about spatial computing and so when you talked about somebody being at the game at a live sporting game and their spatial computing somebody's on a the train their spatial computing you see people walking through the streets spatial computing people walking through the malls and it's, it's interesting i sent it to, to ian um earlier um if you look at art, sometimes it imitates life. And we talk about this Absolutely. all the time. In 2007, in 2007, there was an episode of The Simpsons where this actually happened. But the yeah. interesting part is that that yes, that happened in 2007, but Apple's patent for the Vision Pro was filed in the same year, which is even crazier, right? Yes, and so you, you think about that year, the significance of it in 2007, that's the first year that the iPhone is, is created. So the first iPhone is dropped, right? While they're dropping it, they're making a patent for the Vision Pro, which came out this week, but inside of a cartoon, what was going to happen and what the future was going to look like was taking place, which is, was one of those, like, I don't know if it's a creepy coincidence or, or is so, it predictive programming or is it programming? And, and so yes. like, that's one of those things, like they're programming you for what, what's ahead. Um, and they put it inside of something that has been the longest televised show in the history of television. Mm -hmm. Well and, played, playing a long game. Well played, well played. Uh, but yeah, I'll have a full review because I'll, I'll have the product um, and then I'll bring it over. I'll bring it to your crib and, and you can test it out too. Have Tim Cook and uh, Mark had any talks recently? That's one thing I was right about that, that Apple is going to eat that lunch from the Oculus though. Oh yeah. The, 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 I mean, from what I've seen, everybody, the Oculus, it, it can't compare. But what Tim Cook did say uh, in the midst of them, you know, everybody's, the Vision Pro won't be on what's happening on the, the earnings report, obviously because it just came out. But if you look at what he's talking about, yes, the Vision Pro is the new product, it's the new innovation, but he had to address AI. And I think that, that was key um, from yeah. the well, He's talking about, they're coming with something. Um, everybody's speculating that they're gonna talk, announce it in June when you know they usually announce their new products and innovation, but he's aware of it. He knows where they're at in this race, right? We're always talking about Microsoft, we talked mm -hmm. about NVIDIA, Meta had a blowout week, Apple, the sales of the iPhone finally have not declined. Yep. Right. But more people are saying, I'm not, <laughs> I'm of that age where I'm not buying a new phone until it stops working. That That's going to be an issue. But AI is right on the forefront, what they're going to do. So I'm, I'm interested to see what the announcement is going to be. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're Apple heads. I'm an Apple head. So Apple puts out a product. I mean, I, I'm going to get it. The price point is, is pretty high. It's pretty high. Um, but I, I'm sure I'll find a cost reason for it. Um, they need to work out their partnerships too. YouTube doesn't have an app there yet. Um, yeah, Netflix either. Netflix either. That's 
huge. I know the NBA thing, great to the Apple marketing team. You guys have done a fantastic job with your rollout and influencer marketing. Great job. Work out those partnerships, though. Um, but I do think they will take the majority of market share away from Oculus. But Zuckerberg adjusted well and went to the Ray-Ban Insta Stories uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of format. They've done incredibly well there, but I'm looking to see what the AI rollout is there and what LLM they are working for to make Siri a hell of a lot better. Yeah, and I think the Netflix is the, the probably the number one reason they didn't do the Netflix or the YouTube deal just yet is because they did the deal with Disney. Right, like everybody that gets the Division Pro uh, Disney yeah. Plus is is the app. And so if you want people to be on a streaming service, it's going to be the streaming service that you've done to do it, which is Disney. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. But we obviously saw what Netflix did uh, two weeks ago with their earnings. And so I, I could imagine at some point that'll be there. Uh, but the live sports thing is going to be incredible. I've heard the meditation uh, component is meditation is fire. Yep. Oh my god, yeah. So I'm interested in and in, in looking forward to, to trying it out and testing it. All right, so next we are bringing up our esteemed guests. Yes. You know, we're, the, we're the finance guys, but anytime that we get to talk politics is always enjoyable. Um, and we've been talking politics a lot lately, so we always like to uh have experts some insights. Yes, for sure. <laughs> for sure. For people that uh don't like our political takes, we um, you know, we are an open source platform and uh we try to bring other people on good. to uh provide insight that uh maybe we don't have or maybe might be different yeah. from our point of view, or even educate us on a variety of different things, right? Like yeah. there's certain things that um we might not be fully aware of that um we we maybe needed to get educated on and and as a result the the audience um yeah. could could benefit from the education as well one of the things we learned uh this weekend and we're told was sometimes you let the elder statesman speak because there's a lot of knowledge that they have that we perhaps don't <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of perspective that they have that we perhaps don't and so when you got an opportunity to do that you take advantage of it not only for your educational process but for the audience as well for sure so without further ado Roland Martin, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Um, we have Roland Martin. Um, What's happening? What's going, <laughs> What's on, going on, good brother? All good. Brother, how are you? Here. All good. Sitting here chilling in the home studio. What hotel y'all in? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. <laughs> listen, I, listen, all the traveling I do, I know what the hotel look looks like. <laughs> well, then you should know by the curtain. <laughs> that, 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 that's why that's why I travel with LED lights, uh, candles, and that's so smart. I I flip the hotel room into a club look. <laughs> uh, no, thank you for joining us, Ro Roland thank Martin. Was here. Leading, one of the leading voices in our community for a long time when it comes to political awareness, and he's interviewed presidents and head of states and and somebody that's just um been very consistent for a very long period of time and we actually met him we met him the first time i think at invest fest this year yep. and then um we was at the vice president's house and then mm -hmm. uh, at the vice president's gallery as well yep so we uh, also in tulsa together yeah yep for sure so first and foremost thank you for joining us appreciate it well glad to be here all right so i'm not even gonna waste any time i'm gonna get right to it so uh all right, so you know, I, I'm on chat GBT all the time, right? So I was just curious to know what a respected poll 
um, size is when they do like these presidential polls. Quinnipiac and all that. According to ChatGBT, um, a thousand to fifteen hundred respondents is a size generally considered sufficient to achieve a margin of error approximately three percent uh, with ninety five percent confidence. Standard social research. So a thousand to fifteen hundred people is uh, a respected number when it comes to a presidential poll. According maybe, to maybe because so when you say respected, but here's the whole deal with polling. And granted, uh, my, my boys Cornell Belcher or uh, Terrence, uh, my man Terrence would be a lot more um, well versed on this. But here's the issue the sample size is only one element of it. You then have to then look at the other tabs, and that is what's the percentage of the breakdown. So, for instance, NBC dropped a poll uh, this weekend. Uh, and it talked about uh, President Biden's uh, low approval numbers. Uh, but then uh, my buddy Matt Barreto, uh, who is one of the top Latino posters uh, in the country, uh, Matt then looked at the cross tabs and said, OK, well, who's actually in that? And what the NBC poll showed was um, um, the, 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 like, for instance, he tweeted Latino sample. Uh, wasn't weighted to the actual demographics of nativity, ethnic origin, language preference, state or educational attainment. He then said that the exact same poll showed a sample size of 72% white. 2020, the vote was 67% white. So that poll had 5% more white people. It had a plus 13% conservative ideology. Only 30% of the poll were self-ID'd as Democrats. So when you now look at the poll, and it shows that in the general election, according to their poll, Donald Trump would get 47 percent. Joe Biden would get 42 percent. Well, if the poll has fewer Democrats, more white voters, Republicans get more white voters and more conservative voters. That's going to explain why Donald Trump is going to have a higher percentage. So that's the mistake we look at. Plus, polling is also a snapshot in time. When a poll drops, that poll could have been put into the field a week ago. Okay. okay. And so it's a snapshot in time. So the reality is when you look at president, look at presidential polling, any polling that's taken place up until now through June is absolutely irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant because in 2012, in 2012, the presidential election, of 2012, you go back to November of 2011. It was polling data was showing, uh Oh, President Barack Obama is in trouble. He was behind Republican candidates. Now, I'm not saying that Biden's low poll numbers uh, are not a concern, but the problem is when people are so infatuated with polling data, they're not fully understanding that market conditions change. Things change on a daily basis. Also, if you look at a lot of the issues with Biden's poll numbers, a significant portion of that it's because it's a lot of people who don't want him to run for a second term, a lot of Democrats. Now, here's what they never ask. Okay, you want another candidate, but if Biden is the choice, will you vote? That question is never asked. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to go back to the last point, polling. People might remember the polling for the Affordable Care Act is awful. Americans don't like it. When you went inside of the polling, what you discovered is that the Democrats who were interviewed in the polls, they wanted, uh, they wanted, uh, oh my God, it escaped, escaped me. 
uh, when it comes to uh, full, full cost uh, for medical coverage. So they were against the Affordable Care single payer system. They were against the Affordable Care Act because they wanted a single payer system. So it skewed the numbers. When people saying majority of Americans are against it. No, not a majority of Americans are against it. A lot of those Americans wanted something broader. That's the problem when you start looking at these polls and how they're broken down. Well, that's a very eloquent um, education on it. But what? So what I was saying was that I was leading to we did a poll, the Earn Your Leisure poll, and we we asked who who people were going to vote for, and we had five thousand people. Um, Got it. So pretty sizable number, and majority of our audience is millennials, um, twenty four to forty four, sixty percent a male, 40% woman, and probably 95% uh, black American, right? And 51% of the people that voted in our poll voted for Trump. So that's pretty alarming for Democrats, right? But, here, so, but here's the question, though. What was your, how did you break down that? So for instance, do you have a breakdown of how many people, how, of the percentage of the people who actually uh, voted in it, how many of them identify as conservative identifies liberal how many identifies republican yeah. how many of them some of them identify uh, as democrat how many identifies independent do you have that information so I, we don't have that information so so here's the problem so you may have and again i'm just so again and when you send it out how was it sent out it was just a, a vote on no, no 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 on what platform instagram right gotcha so of that did you know who was actually voting no. So that poll could have been shared, let's say, on a MAGA website, and they could have come over to vote. But but here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing about that, because the people were saying, uh -huh. like, Russian, there's Russian bots, da-da-da-da. So we talked earlier about investing, where it's like, you know, I knew that Meta was a good company because I, I used a product. Sometimes you just have a sense, right? Got it. And I feel like I have a sense of what's going on in the Black community, especially against for Black men, right? And there's a lot of black people, millennials, that support Trump. Gotcha. And, so, and what I'm saying, but, but that's also anecdotal. If you actually see, see again, this is why I'm asking the questions in terms of how was your survey or poll, how was, how was it weighted? When you look at the polls, the, a poll is a mathematical, it's an algorithm. That's what it is, okay? But there are factors that are placed into it. Yours didn't. So the problem is you don't actually know you have data on your followers, but you do not have the precise data on who responded to the poll. Correct. Correct. So the problem. So the problem is if you make it, so I, I get the assumption that you're making. The problem is you don't actually have it. I, I've gotten phone calls for polls and they will ask me race. Age political ideology. They'll ask me a series of questions to now they're affected out into the poll. Yours didn't. And so basically your poll on Instagram is no different than if I put a poll up on Twitter. Well, that's actually, even if I had 5,000, 10,000 people respond, that's actually not, um, not the same as what happens in the general public because the percentage of people who are actually on Twitter is so low compared to the whole country. Now, when you talk about what you're hearing, let's understand this here. And I've been tracking this. I graduated from college in 1991. The first election I voted was 1988. 
And so I have paid attention to uh, black voting patterns uh, and also uh, how black self identify. If you look, so I'm, I'm, I'm Gen X, okay? So I dare say my generation, we began to the process of black people less self-identifying as Democrat. Let me unpack that. Our parents, baby boomers, or that generation that's sort of like in between baby boomers. Mm -hmm. So they, they overwhelmingly, you look at any survey, 65 plus, my parents are 76, 65 plus significant numbers, they self-identify as Democrat. Okay. Now, when you go to 55, <coughs> 64, that number lowers, but it's still a significant number. When you go below 55, you now begin to see the decrease in those who self-identify. Mm -hmm. You now have more who identify as independent. Now, let's put that aside. Now you go to, okay, you might not self-identify as a Democrat, meaning I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal, I'm a progressive, but now what's your voting pattern? Meaning, who do you end up actually voting for? And so a lot of those people who do not self-identify lean Democrat. Now, that, is, that doesn't mean that they're going to vote Democrat, but most of the time when they vote, they're voting Democrat. What you're seeing is now when you go, now when you go below Gen X, again, when that number goes down, 18, 29, 29, 39, definitely fewer and fewer self-identify as Democrat. Now, but guess what? 65 plus, they vote at the highest. 18, 29, 18, 39, they vote at the lowest. Mm. And so a lot of those folks may just not vote. Now, when you look at the percentage of people who uh, look at support Trump, look at specifically, you look at black men. First of all, you gotta go back to 2012. In 2012, there was a nine point gap between black women and black men for Obama Romney. What was I hearing in 2012? There were a lot of brothers who were like, yo, I don't think he's done enough for our community. Yeah. Now, black men, let me be very clear, black men are the second largest block of, of voters for Democrats in America behind black women. But there's a gap. That gap now went from nine to 13 in 2016. Then you saw the gap increased to 2020. And so now you also factor in different things, an increasing number of African-Americans who own businesses, who are entrepreneurs, also an increasing number of black people who make six figures about, I'm voting on tax cuts. I don't give a damn about nothing else. I don't give a shit about civil rights. I don't care about voting rights. I'm voting on tax cuts alone. So you got to factor in those people. And so when Trump was president, when he lowered the, uh, the tax rate and the individual tax rate, and the corporate tax rate, I know brothers and sisters who own businesses who were like, yo, that added two, three, four, five hundred thousand uh, dollars to my pocket. And so they're voting that way. Then you have others who look at this thing in a more holistic way. And so to understand what's going on with black voters, it literally is as far as we get further away from the black freedom movement, some call the civil rights movement, you're seeing a change in voting patterns but the reality is, overwhelmingly, numbers still are the numbers. 
black po black people sit back and go, if I look at two parties, just period, in terms of issues that I believe in, they line up more with Democrats than they do with Republicans. Now, Republicans also gotten smarter in that. They're like, okay, you know what? How do we keep getting our ass kicked? Because we ignore black people. So let's take Brian Kemp. Most, most of the time, a Republican will say, man, I ain't even talking to them. Like, I ain't even showing up. Brian Kemp was able to thwart Stacey, Stacey Abrams in that he actually showed up to black stuff. And there are black people who are like, well, I give so-and-so credit just for showing up. And so you see now Republicans placing, putting money in different initiatives because they ain't trying to get 40% black vote. They're not going to get it. Their focus, though, if they can peel off, depending upon the state, two, three, four, five percent that changes the equation. Yeah. So, I mean, even what you're saying there, right, when we're talking about that trend, right, we're going from 16 percent, I mean, 9 percent to 16 percent. And even all the, the stats that you just provided, you see that there's a trend that they're starting. So we yeah. talked about this threshold. If we looked at the exit poll of the 2020 election, 87 percent of the black vote was for the Democratic Party. And we had 12 percent going to the Republican Party. Right. The nominee was Donald Trump. Is there a threshold number that you see that becomes a danger zone? Is it 15 percent, 16 percent. What are your thoughts around it? Yeah, well, first of all, any pollster and the party people will tell you. Uh, and that is, yeah, the number is uh, the real number is 15 to 20. So I'm, I'm a, so first of all, let me unpack this here. You what you just mentioned was overall. Right, we right. Have, we have to understand presidential elections. Are not national races. There are 50 state races. OK, so if you are a black voter in Montana, Idaho, North Dakota, South Dakota, you don't really don't matter. I don't mean you don't matter. But I'm just saying when it comes to what we're talking about, yeah. we're talking about the key. What we're talking about is. Louisiana, Florida, North Carolina, the reality is you only have eight battleground states this time around. You're going to have Michigan, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, North Carolina, Nevada, Arizona. Now, you may throw in what might happen. Ted Cruz lost by 2.5 percent to Beto. So, OK, but he's likely going to win in Texas. But, OK, something could happen. But he lost by 2.5. You got Rick Scott didn't win by a large margin when he ran last time. But Florida's in disarray for Democrats. But basically seven, eight states. So now what then happens is, what's the percentage of that state? So let's go back to 2022. Tom Tillis in North Carolina. Tom Tillis was polling at 17% among African-Americans. So now, Kate Cunningham, it finds out he's having an affair during the campaign. Stupid. Okay. He was leading in the polls. That news comes out. All of a sudden, he drops. Democrats were focused in North Carolina. They were focused on the, this was 2020. They were focused uh, on the cities. They kept ignoring rule. So what happened? Tillis was doing well among those folks. What they were not doing was targeting black folks in rural North Carolina. So Tom Tillis, with Trump running in 2020, was able to win re-election because that number was 17%. I think there was 17 percent on black men, according to Terrence Woodbury. So let's go to Florida. Andrew Gillum, when he loses the governor's race, he lost about 30,000 votes. Mm. 
That was a critical number of people didn't know about. 18% of black women voted for DeSantis. Whoa, wait a minute, hold up. Black women hate Republicans more than anybody. I was in a meeting with Ryan's Priebus, who was the chair of the Republican National Committee and all of his people, and Tara Wall said it. Black women hate us more than anybody else. So you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa what happened? Because guess what? Opportunity scholarships for, uh, for, for the city kids, different schools. Black women, they were like, listen, I care about the education of my kid. Well, the Sanders was for that. Uh, Gillum, Gillum was against it, 18%. Here's the deal. If DeSantis gets 12% of black women and not 18, he lost. So this is so, um, so the key is to look at what happens in states. Tillis was able to win because he was doing 17% among black men. DeSantis won because he did 18% among black women. So the number you're talking about, that danger number is 15 to 20, depending upon the state, and it depends upon turnout. And that's why what you open up with is critical. If you look at younger voters, if they say, I'm just going to sit out, now what's happening is the number lowers. The danger for us as black people, and this is hard for us to understand, is that the last election, the total electorate was 67 to 70% white. So we always like, yo, why are they always focusing on white stuff? Y'all, sorry, 67% to 70% of all voters are white. That's just a fact. The problem is for black people, we got to maximize our number. So we can't afford to actually sit at home because if we're voting, let's say 40 or 50% of our capacity and they're voting, I'm going to use Andrew Gillum. I pulled, it was a story that showed they had the top 20 voting counties. You had to get down to number 14 for a blue one to show up. The red counties were voting 65 to 75 to 80% of capacity. You got down to Broward, it was 57. You got down to Miami-Dade, it was 52. We will never be able to flip elections if we are voting 38, 40, 42. We have to be voting. Our numbers, we, we, the number for black people to hit, we got to have, if we want to flip elections, and I'm talking about, hey, flip elections, black people alone, if white people stay right here, Latinos stay right here, if black people go from 50% of our capacity to 70% of our capacity, we flip all elections, bro, all, all, because you're talking about going from, let's say, 200,000 votes being cast to 300,000 or 325,000 votes being cast, that's the margin of victory. Well, what do you say to those of us um, who may have fallen out of love with the Democratic Party? What do they need to do better? Because I know there's a need for us to get out and vote, but there is a right. resounding group of people who are just saying the Democrats aren't doing anything. Biden doesn't care about us. What Anybody? do you say to the Democratic class about having better leadership? Um, to make us come out and vote more. First of all, anybody who was saying those two things, I know what they're talking about. And so that is an indication of two things. One, they don't have the knowledge of what's going on. And you also can blame folks who are not, who are not actually speaking to the issues. Here's what I mean by that. 
if when somebody says they're not doing anything, that's just on its face is a lie. It's just it's a lie. If you say, OK, under Trump, he wanted to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. They stopped advertising. They stopped pushing it. Under Biden, they expanded it. They've now broken the record three straight years for people who are covered. The, the percentage of Americans who are not covered today is a, less than 9%. Black health coverage has expanded dramatically because of the Affordable Care Act. Now, people say, well, that's not just for us. It's not. But health care is damn important to black people. Yeah. So that's one issue. $6.5 billion specifically to HBCUs. $6.5 billion. I got the Excel sheets right here, okay? 6.5, the largest in history. In fact, if I pull the Excel, Excel spreadsheet, I'll send it to y'all. If you look at the, the dollars that a Florida A&M, a North Carolina A&T got from the state and their state schools, they got four to six times more from the federal government than they did from their own state. And they're state funded. So that's a perfect example. Three, you look at bl minority businesses, black, minority, women-owned businesses, three years of consecutive increases. Then you look at the dollars being allocated to expand the opportunities. Those things are happening. Now, I've been blasting the White House Democrats because they are awful at narrative. They are awful at telling people what's going on. They're awful at telling your story. Plies yeah. called them out by saying, damn it, y'all need to learn how to brag. So this is a part of the problem that you're doing stuff, but you ain't communicating to people. You ain't buying advertising on black owned media platforms, whether it's yours or whether it's mine. You're not driving the people out there to say, hey, here's information. I just got a call over the weekend from a sister who's working on a program with the USDA, the agriculture department, providing loans for homes for low income people in affordable, for, for affordable housing. I'm like, who are y'all telling about this here? And so these things are happening. The mistake that people make is they go, man, Democrats ain't doing nothing, then Republicans. No, 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 this is what I do. I tell everybody, what do you care about? So somebody says, uh, uh, here are my top five issues, okay? My top five issues. I had a brother tell me, he says, man, he said, reparations is number one. I said, okay. He says, Democrats ain't doing nothing about reparations. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, how many house sponsors are there for HR 40? He's like, I don't know. I said, 217. I said, of them, how many are Republican? He was like, 10? I said, zero. I said, can you name me one Republican in the House, in the Senate, that actually supports reparations? I said, number zero. I said, so, you, I said, you're saying the hell the Democrats. I said, that's the only group of people who actually talk about your one issue. He was like, not one. I said, not one. He said, not one Republican. I said, not one, bro. Not one. So now when you go to education, you go. So you start, I look at issues. I go, here are my 10 issues. Where does this candidate, because remember, you're voting for a candidate and a party, because here's the deal. Will your candidate be in the majority? So like right now, Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton has a bill that specifically addresses the federal government spending for black on black owned media. She introduced the bill in November. Here's the problem. 
Democrats in a minority in the House. Yeah. Her bill ain't going nowhere. So you might say, Congresswoman, great bill. It ain't going nowhere. But if Democrats control the House, bill could get passed. Now, you still got to go to the Senate for the pass there to go to the president. But the bottom line is you now look at power. So I look at the judges. People go, man, these judges don't mean nothing. Are you out of your mind? Federal judges have immense power. Absolutely. So when you look at, so here's the deal. Who appoints judges? The president. Who confirms judges? The Senate. Well, if you want judges who are going to be sympathetic to class action lawsuits, civil rights, economic rights, uh, environmental rights, you probably want a Democrat president and a Democrat Senate because you have, look, you just had a Republican judge in Louisiana say the Environmental Protection Agency cannot use the Civil Rights Act when it comes to dealing with Cancer Alley in Louisiana. 50 to 1 ratio of minority people are impacted, Black people and others are impacted by cancer in Cancer Alley in Louisiana. That was a Trump federal judge. But guess what? When a federal judge ruled to Louisiana, get those juveniles out of Angola prison, you know who she was? An Obama appointee. So what I'm saying is people have to step back from, from ain't nothing being done to then go, okay, hold up. What does that mean? What actually is being done? And so this is why I keep saying we need Schoolhouse Rock 2.0. We need return to uh, we need return to civics 101. We need to return to uh, where we have freedom schools in the black community because there are things that are happening where people don't understand how the dots are connected. So you're somewhere, let's say somebody black right now, and they in Tallahassee, and they're sitting here going, you know what, man? I I'm sick and tired of the, the roads. Okay, so here's the first question. Is it a city road? Is it the county? Or is it the responsibility of the state? Well, guess what? The bulk of money for, for roads in America comes from the federal government. That's the infrastructure bill. Who passed the six, who passed the largest infrastructure bill since Dwight Eisenhower's president? Biden Harris did. So right now, you have thousands of projects, uh, bridges, roads, schools, other infrastructure that's being rebuilt, water system. So guess what? We complain about Flint. Oh, the water deal? It's part of the infrastructure bill in terms of dealing with the water crisis in this country. So uh, the, the Biden folks have said, Biden-Harris, they're going to replace all uh, lead pipes, I think, by 20, I got 2030. I think it's like a 10-year period. Okay? That impacts us. So I need us to, this is where we have to be smarter and stop getting locked into party party to go, no, 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 no. Here are my issues. And guess what? There are some people who are watching. They are like, I don't care about nothing but tax cuts. That's not a problem. That's your position. But for me, I could care about tax cuts because that's going to benefit me. But my concern as an African-American goes beyond just me. I'm thinking about more of our people. And when I, when I, when I sit down and look at critical issues and I go, this is a Democratic candidate, this is a Republican candidate, Republican candidate might get one out of 10, might get two out of 10 and lines with me. I can't vote for that person if this person over here gets seven out of 10. But here's the last point. Once the election is over, I still got to push them 
to make it happen. And that's the mistake too many of us make. We, we step out of the process when we're supposed to now step into the process. Okay, and how do we do that as a quick follow-up? Easy. First of all, first of all, we have to understand politics in this country is it, it's on multiple levers. Again, city, school board, county, state, federal. That's our politics. So if, if I'm trying to say, man, I, I really what did what did what did progressives finally learn? If I really want to change the mass incarceration, the criminal justice reform system, I gotta change who the district attorney is because they're determining who gets prosecuted. We kept coming to D.C., pass the bill. No, change the DAs. If I care about, so, so, that, so that's one issue. If I care about the education of my kids, I can't run the Congress. I need to say, oh, what's happening with the school board? Okay? So I got to understand politics. I got to understand who controls what. What it now then means is, okay, these, these council members and these school board members and these county politicians, state and federal, they got town hall meetings. Okay? You're a constituent. Okay? I tell them, you ride them. I cover City Hall. You know why I saw? White folks would be showing up. Now, granted, I understand time. People got to work. But they'd be showing up at the committee hearings, city council hearings. We often only show up to stuff when it's an emergency. When it's all, when they're going to shut our schools down. Or we'll pack a meeting. Well, six months ago, we could have stopped it six months ago. So we have to now use our groups. MLK said this in his book, Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos Whole Community? He said there are four institutions that are positioned to liberate black America. The Negro church, the Negro press, the Negro fraternities and sororities, Negro professional and business organizations. We got black infrastructure, bro. We've got Divine Nine. We've got Masons, Eastern Star. We've got uh, the links. We've got church groups. We've got, we've got all this infrastructure, but how are we using it? How are we mobilizing and organizing to change something. I've given speeches across the country and I've said this here. Take, let's take Divine Nine, Prince Hall Masons, Eastern Star and Lynx. That's 12 organizations. What have those 12 said? Okay, this month we gonna go to the council meeting. Y'all go to the school board meeting. We going to the county commissioners meeting. Then next month, a different group. See, we're not using our capacity. The person who's sitting out there, understand you're a constituent. If you voted for somebody for Congress, let's say that Democrat, and the Republican won, you are still a constituent. You still should be calling them. You still should be emailing them. You still should be telling your neighbors, no, 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 no. Hit them on the phone because we are still constituents. When we check out of the process, it's easy to ignore us. But it's hard to ignore folk when they're on your behind every week. Well, yeah, that's definitely very insightful because that was going to be my, my my point as far as um, I feel like there's a growing consensus of like disenfranchisement when it comes to voting with young people, like people saying like, what's the point of voting? And um, a lot of older people are kind of shunning young people saying like, that's an ignorant way to go about it. But I understand why people are saying that because they're looking at it from the standpoint of that. We've been broke 50 years ago. We've been broke now. We had criminal justice issues 50 years ago. We have criminal justice issues now. So let's, been, I'm gonna go, but, but, stay, but, stay, on stay on the broke part. Because see, this is the problem right here. People are understand the broke part. Okay. First, when we say we broke, where are most jobs from? They're the private sector. They ain't government. It's the private sector. It's the private sector. But guess what? We actually over-indexed. All right, I'm about to blow y'all away. All right, so here's what happened. Republicans go, less government. 
That means cut jobs. African-Americans over-index on government jobs. When you look at, again, postal workers, that's not the government, but it's actually the government. But school teachers, firefighters, police officers, people who work at city hall, who work in school districts, who work for county government, state government, federal government, we over-index. So when they, when Republicans take charge and they go cut government, we actually lose jobs. We also, a higher percentage of us, make six high five figures and six figures in government jobs. So when you talk about the black middle class, how the black middle class grew, the black middle class grew from 1970 through 2000 because we were working in government, because that's where we were able to get real jobs and be respected. So when people say, man, economics hasn't changed, it's because most of the jobs, when you look at the majority of the jobs, they're in the private sector. And so what happens? So in our media business, okay, BET was sold 22 years ago. In the story in the New York Times, it said Black-owned media gets 1% of all advertising. It's 2024. Guess how much we get? 1%. So guess what? If we are not accessing those dollars, look at private equity, venture capital. You know where that money comes from? Pension funds. Guess who are pension fund workers? Black people, because those are public workers. So pension funds drive investment in, in Wall Street. So we are arguing with the venture capitals, y'all need to invest more money in black people. Uh, we're arguing with private equity when 98% of private equity money is in the hands of white people. So Robert Smith's company, Vista Equity Partners, they are $100 billion fund. That's the largest one. Even though the data shows that black and minority firms outperform white firms in private equity. So we have been, we are frozen out of this economic system. And so how do we now counter it? You gotta have policymakers who are using their power to change it. So when I am pushing uh, and driving um, uh, the CBC uh, and I'm calling on Senator Chuck Schumer, they just had these congressional hearings with social media companies, the Democrats in the Senate need to bring all those white ad agencies to the table and say, why y'all not spending with Black-owned media companies? Why is it still 1%? We have to understand how to use power. We got to understand that, guess what? If we take over the school board, listen to me clearly, we don't even vote in school board elections. You got nine people on the school board. You get five of those people, you now control the next bond. You now control who gets hiring. You now can now make demands when it comes to uh, contracts. In New York State, when Carl McCall was the controller, you know what they did? They actually changed the rules when it came to, oh, no, no, no. Y'all can't come and get pension money from us unless y'all got black partners, unless you're using black law firms, unless you're using black black uh, accounting firms. When uh, David Patterson became governor, he changed uh, the rules there. Dramatic increase on blacks being able to tap into the state funds and contracts. So we got to understand the money game and how do we leverage politicians? When I was at TV One, Guess who controls the cable cable com, cable contracts? And the city does. The city votes on who has the cable contract. When we would go to those cable companies, try to get us on get TV one on a local system. They would tell us no, no. So you know what we would do? We would wait until their contract was up, 
And then we would go to the black city council members and the black city council members would say, I'm not voting on this cable contract until y'all put TV one on your system. We leveraged political power to drive economic. Power. Well, how do you, so, so my follow up, my, what I was saying with that is like, what's some actionable items that the every day black person can do to hold politicians accountable because voting is one thing but like you said if they're not being held accountable voting is the no, end of one process the beginning of another go ahead if there's no if there's no super PACs if there's no pressure put on them then they're just using our vote to get in office and then right. just ignoring annoying us so, so well, here's what you have to do when we are organizing people to vote we got to keep that organization in place so when it's now time to move or something the school board was still there. We have, so here's the first thing, stop having protests and you're not collecting data. So if you have a protest and 200 people show up, get their name, number, email, social media. So when it's time to now move, you now have a database of people to reach out and say, I need 50 of y'all to show up at the next school board meeting. So that's one. The second thing is, you got to join an organization. Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Ture said, show me anybody black who's been able to achieve something uh, when it came to changing our community. It was not done as an individual. They did it by, by through a group. So we got to use our group power, which now means that our groups have to stop being focused on bullshit and actually have a real agenda, which is why I challenge sororities and fraternities to do more than just have events where we wear our colors and we're all inward. No, how are we driving things outward? But the third thing is, for everybody who's listening, answer me this question. Do you know who your council member is? No, 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 no. I don't mean, oh yeah, the black person. No, you can live in somebody else's district. It's black people right now go, yeah, in Houston. Yeah, see the Jackson Lee, that's my congresswoman. Uh-uh, you live in a whole different zip code. Yeah. So the first thing is, know who represents you. Who is your council member? Who is your county commissioner? Who is your state rep? Who is your state senator? Who is your member of Congress? <coughs> who is your U.S. congressman? Every state has two United States senators. Know who they are. Know who the district attorney is. So now we know now who I need to talk to. Because when you walk in and look, look when, when the Republicans held up Loretta Lynch being confirmed as attorney general, the black women were protesting. So I said, where, where the brothers? All these black male groups weren't doing nothing. So I called Jamal, Pastor Jamal Bryant, Jeff Johnson. So we organized something. We organized 200 men to go to Capitol Hill. But you know what we did? These brothers had never been to Capitol Hill. They came all over. So we rolled up. We said, all right, we're going we to visit John Cornyn's office. He's a Texas senator. I'm from Texas. I said, I need everybody from Texas come to the front of the line. So we walked into the office. We said, hi, we're so-and-so. We are his constituents. When we went to meet with Thad Cochran, Mississippi, we said, Mississippi brothers, come to the front of the line. See, when you're a constituent, they don't want to ignore you because you ignore you, you you're a voter. Congresswoman Edebenese Johnson, who just died, she, I, I still registered to vote. I'm still registered to vote in Texas. She was my congresswoman. Jasmine Crockett is now my congresswoman. So Jasmine was like, yeah, I got to go on rolling show because his ass a constituent. He vote. <laughs> see, see, what we, see, the problem is, we're not understanding politics. And, I, and so I'll say this here. I'm going to say it again. And this is why I do my show the way I do it. We got to teach our people politics. We got to teach them how the system works. We got to teach them. So Chokwe Lumumba, mayor of Jackson, Mississippi, 
water crisis there. Republicans are like, man, the Biden folks ain't doing nothing for you. Chokeway said, I'm going to Capitol Hill to get the money. They said, they ain't doing nothing for you. What happened? Mayor Lumumba went to Capitol Hill. The Biden administration, the Democrats, $600 million. Then Republicans want to get involved. He said, no, no, no. Y'all didn't help me get the money. But now you want to participate. It's understanding levers of power. And so for people out there might be saying, oh, yeah, Roland, okay, man, you all educated. Let me help y'all out. Mom and daddy never went to college. Mom and daddy graduated from high school. But mom and daddy were co-founders of a neighborhood civic club called Clinton Park Civic Club. And you know what happened? A whole bunch of brothers and sisters like, man, y'all ain't going to do nothing. You know how they started? They said, we're going to do some trash pickup once a month. Then after three months, they said, well, no, we're going to do something. You know, we're tired of these overgrown lots uh, and these crack houses. Who? How can we get these torn down? They figured out how to do so. We were tired of the crime in the neighborhood. So they said, who? They didn't, they didn't say who's the police chief. No. Who's the commander for this district? And went to them. Knew him by name. So when stuff went down, they picked the phone up. I need to speak to Commander so-and-so. Uh, uh, Mr. Martin, Miss Martin, we're going to dispatch a unit out uh, to look at this right now. And after 10 years, you know what happened? They said, you know, we need some new sidewalks. We need some new sewer systems. Uh, we need our, our park refurbished. We need that senior citizens, uh, that, that, that old firehouse turned to a senior citizen center. In a decade, Clinton Park, where I was born and raised, changed because regular ordinary people who did not go to college cared enough about their community, but they learned the political system. What I'm describing, every single person listening and watching can actually do. Again, my mama and daddy worked, had jobs. They had five kids. I lived this because we were free labor. We had to go drop the pamphlets off of people's doors or whatever. But they first cared enough about their community. And then they said, what do we want to see change? And now who can change it? And that's how this thing works. We didn't have no PACs. We didn't have no millionaires, no billionaires. Hell, we had no thousandaires. But the people got together and said, we can change this. And guess what? It started with five or six, then it grew to 10 to 20, then 30 to 40 and 50 and 100. And let me tell you something right now. There's no politician. If he or she sees 30, 40, 50, 100 people showing up for consecutive months, going to ignore them because you know what they're doing? Them folks going to vote. And if I keep ignoring them, they're going to light my ass up come election time. But we have got to care enough to actually get in the game. So here's the thing, right? It's interesting. You got the shirt that says, where's our money? Because when you're talking about creating change, right? Even the fact when you talked about your councilwoman, she knew that she had to go on your show because of the power that you have and the audience that you have. And so when you think about the party and specifically the Democratic Party, it feels like sometimes trying to create a narrative to the, the, the black audience, it feels like it's out of convenience around the time of an election year. And so now we'll see, you know, it's 2024, we're gonna start seeing people show up in churches, yeah. we're gonna start, right? But that's kind of productive, right? Because where is that happening throughout the three years? So it's, it's kind of- we're not, we're not demanding it. We're right. literally not saying, hey, hey, you and what we're not doing is saying, if you're gonna, if you're gonna come to my pulpit, I do this all the time, bro. I tell, no, don't come just during election time. I put them on the record. You gonna come back next year? What? See, we we, so, we, we before, before you before you go into before you go into it because it, it that's the first part, right? Because 
I wonder if the party realizes the change, right? The change in media, or do they care enough to say that we need this throughout the entire duration of a term? So, right? so here's why they don't know it. And again, I'm just going to give you just the insight on just this whole who runs campaigns. They are largely white consultants. They control the money. They control the narrative. So what we're talking about this battle, the black folks are having the same battle. The black pollsters, the black consultants have an exact same battle. So you have so let me tell you how the money game works. The white consultants will go, yeah, we ain't going to put money in ground game. We're going to put the money in TV. Well, hell, you can buy up all the TV, but the ground ain't need people to come out. Why do they say that? Because the white media consultant gets paid a percentage of the TV buys. Mm, mm. They don't get paid for the ground game. Follow the money. So here's the deal. And the white consultant, they lose election. All right. They going to run another campaign. Yeah. So when you hear me demanding black consultants, black pollsters, black strategists, that's also saying I want them where the money is. See, that's the thing. It's understanding. It's, it's just the, just the system, how this whole system works. And so when you understand that, it's going to like, oh, I see the game y'all playing. Oh, so y'all want to come to me. I got a phone call today, bro. This is the same thing. Hey, man, uh, we reached out. You didn't cover this event. No. I said, y'all value my eyeballs to bring your show talent on, but your advertising folk never call. So you, I'm valuable. My artist is valuable, but not for your advertising money. So guess what? Roland ain't covering your damn event. Nope. Sorry, stars. Sorry, Netflix. <laughs> Sorry, Hulu. Sorry, Prime Video. Sorry, OWN. Sorry, HBO Showtime. If y'all ain't spending advertising money, I'm not putting the celebrities on. Because, again, you value my eyeballs, but not enough to pay me. So we have to now understand that black people are fighting the battles on the inside with the consultants, and we got to be willing to say, uh-uh. I'm a, I'm a, look, I'm going to tell y'all straight up. This is 2020. Biden campaign called me. Brother told my advertising people, he said, you know, I can give $20,000 to five black newspapers and they happy. I said, well, hell, I ain't them. They can't, they can't. I'm telling y'all straight up. I'm telling yeah. They came back to me and they was like, they were like, tell my ad guy, they said, all right, we got a hundred. We went, nope. They came back and they said, all right, fine. We got 200. Nope. All right, 300 is the final number. Now that's for advertising. I didn't respond for two weeks. They said, Roland, this is the final. So I told my guy, accept it. Then I blasted them on the show. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. And they called, man, what you doing? I said, motherfucker, I asked for two million. That's it. That's it. Y'all thought. I was gonna be happy. Yeah, yeah. Three hundred thousand. That's what I'm saying. So it's like take the crumbs because in the, in in the past it was like, hey, we'll we'll pass this on to. And I know you sent the article. Send it to Jet. Send it to Ebony. Send it to Essence. Those publications don't mean the same to this generation. So that's why I feel like, yeah. are they aware well, of the new way to to get to the audience? Well, here's the deal: because they died, 
And one of the reasons that they have they have fallen is because they didn't get the advertising money. Bro, my boy Ty Brown will break it down. He ran he ran the advertising for Ebony. Ebony was getting twenty thousand dollars for a full page ad when Esquire was getting two hundred thousand. Ebony was Hell. bigger than Esquire. No, I'm telling you, read Brett Pulley's book, The Billion Dollar Bet, the unauthorized biography of Bob Johnson and BET. In the book, Brett Pulley writes that when Viacom bought BET, they discovered that BET was getting $1,500 for a 30 second for an ad, and the same ad MTV was getting for $8,000. Let me, let me blow y'all away. So do the math $1,500 and $8,000. That's a $6,500 difference. Now, Imagine if Bob Johnson and Sheila Johnson had been getting fair market value from day one. That means that BET sold for $2.4 billion plus yeah. $400 million in debt. That's $2.8 billion. If they had been getting fair market value, BET could have actually been worth $6 billion. And Bob and Sheila could have sold a third of BET for $2.8 billion and still owned it. Yeah. If they had begin fair market value. So what we as black folks have to do, and this is how I view voting, you need my vote. You got to do something. I want to know who you're spending with. Man, we, there was a black media thing last year, the U.S. Senate in July. I sat there, Senator Chuck Schumer, Senator Amy Klobuchar, Senator, Senator Warnock, Senator Booker, about 20 of them. Everybody asking regular questions. I came there with money questions. Person pulled me aside, another journalist. Roland, that, was, that wasn't, the, this is not the right venue. Uh, I said, excuse me, you are an employee of your company. I am a founder. It's you, you don't ask the questions I ask. I said, if they going to talk about economics and black businesses, well, I'm going to bring a black-owned media company. And I sat there and told Senator Chuck Schumer, I said, was there an increase in spending with black-owned media in the 2022 midterm elections compared to 2020? They claimed it was. I said, I want to see the data. I'm still waiting. I asked them and told them, I have three. I said, I want a Senate hearing on white ad agency discriminating against black-owned media companies. See, this, again, we have to understand power. Guess what? You need our votes. So when I'm saying who you paying, who you cutting money with, the Biden campaign, 2020, I remember the press release. A historic investment, it was $280 million ad buy. Six million, they said, went to black media. First of all, when you hear the phrase black media, step back and go, stop, black targeted or black owned? When I opened the press release, I looked at who they mentioned. I saw iHeartRadio, Black Information Network. I saw Urban One, I saw Blavity, then I saw Complex. Here's what people didn't understand. Complex, <laughs> people don't understand. In the digital space, Complex so-called has the largest black footprint. Y'all ain't hearing me. Yeah. Complex. Who owns Complex? BuzzFeed. So Complex is pulling black money to target black people, and that's going to Complex, and that's funding BuzzFeed investors. They didn't go into black-owned. When money comes to rolling through Black Star Network, it's going to my black producer, black booker, black director, black videographers, black engineers. That's who the money going to. It's going to black people. See, this is how we have to understand how we use our power. So I've made it clear. Don't come to me small. And I made it clear to the Biden campaign. What did Fat Joe say? Yesterday's price and today's price. 
Don't come to me in 2024 thinking you're going to pay 300. My audience has gotten larger. We're bigger. So no, small money not going to happen. This is what I'm saying. So the person who's going rolling, I ain't you. Guess what? When you say I'm bringing 10 or 20 of my friends and we come to this city council meeting and I want to meet with you, councilman, so-and-so, and I want to know, are you going to fix our roads? Are you going to put up new stop signs? Are we going to have new street lights? Are we going to have a new sewer system? I want to see step up police protection where they protect people in our community. I want to see our parks refurbished. Y'all, I lived this when I was 7, 8, 9, 10, 12. I testified for the Houston City Council when they were going to cut the pool hours. I testified when I was 15. So what I'm telling y'all ain't, oh, I'm just a degree brother just spouting. I lived it because I saw my mama and my daddy, high school graduates, give a damn, and they were unafraid to challenge power. More of us got to do that. And that's and we can do it. We just got to be committed to actually doing it. <laughs> that, no, that, that, was extremely, that was extremely insightful as far as the, um, because that's something that we've been, we, We've been having that discussion for a long time. You look at InvestFest, 20,000 people and getting a fraction of what our white counterparts have gotten with, with 2,000 people in the audience. So um, and, and, and see, what y'all doing? You got the company and the ad agency. And the company saying, go to the ad agency. And the ad agency telling y'all, well, it's not us, it's the company. You know what? I don't, the hell with the ad agency. Because you know why? If I call, if I tell folk don't buy a product, that ain't impacting the ad agency. That's gonna impact, impact that brand. Company. Yeah. It'll impact that brand. And yeah. see what and let me tell you what the ad agencies hate. See y'all, see y'all about to make here's what the here's what the ad agencies hate. The ad agencies hate when you go directly to the company. Yep. Bruh, I've had agencies, they on a Zoom like, like, damn it, he called this meeting. They are pissed. And I've had I had one agency, the company, bruh. Agreed to a six hundred thousand dollar deal. They hit the agency for paperwork just to pay the, the agency. She asked me a question, then a second question, then a third. I said, "Hold up, she's trying to vet me again." I hit the company. The company said, "Who the hell is Molly?" I said, "I don't know. That's your agency." They called. They said, "Uh, no, no, no. We doing this deal with Roland. That's why. See, we got to understand what are the traps because the agency go. Y'all heard this here. What's your metrics?" Uh, what's the metrics? Uh, can, can you take tags? Uh, are you in 360? Uh, what what programmatic system do you use? The agency is designed to find ways to tell you no. I go to the client and I say, um, you have 18%, 20%, 35% black market share. I told you, I tell you what I told General Motors. I was on the phone call with the CMO, Deborah Wall, her team. I said, let me tell y'all something. I don't praise people for press releases. I will praise you for direct deposits. <laughs> Doc, y'all, I'm telling you. True I indeed. Said, are we on the phone? I said, I don't praise for press releases. I said, let me tell you something right now. I said, I ain't got to launch a massive boycott of y'all. If I knock off 1% of your black market share, all y'all getting fired. I said, so. Let me know when we're going to do business. <laughs> no, straight up. I'm just being straight up. And that's the problem is that we as African-Americans had a brother told me with a black meat company. We're rolling in. We're not all like you. We might not get no advertising. 
I said, brother, let me ask you a question. Did you get any last year? He said, no. I said, you get any last quarter? No. You got any last month? No. Last week? No. Yesterday? No. I said, so how in the hell you think you're going to get some next month if they ain't never? I said, oh, they have given you the illusion. You they given you a meeting. We told the ad agency, we said everybody in this meeting get paid to, to be here except us. All y'all been paid to be in this meeting. We're not. We're free. Bruh, I know what they doing to y'all. And that's when you sit here, that's when you turn around and you sit here and go, okay, really? We're going to go tell our followers. We're going to go tell them that your financial company won't do business. And we're going to tell our people not to do business with you. That's why the companies that have done business with me, I publicly praise them. And the ones who did business with me one time and didn't come back, they on the call out list. See, listen, this ain't nothing. I wish I had the book right here. Everybody who's watching, watching, listening, get Martin Depp's book, Operation Breadbasket, D-E-P-P-E. He's a white pastor, but he was on the executive committee of Reverend Jackson's Operation Breadbasket. Uh, it's called from 1966-71. He details how they, how they were able to drive this. The reason we has had so many black millionaires because Breadbasket put pressure on companies to put their products on the shelves. To, and, and you look at the memorandum of agreement, they require them to invest money in black banks, hire black uh, owned businesses, uh, and also hire black people in executive positions. What we have today, we got a whole group of black board members who ain't doing shit, black senior executives who ain't doing shit. And then when they ask us to get fired, they want to call us to complain and do stories. When they do, we had a brother just call us Friday. Three years my ad team been dealing with him. We've gotten zero. He got the boot. He gonna call my guys asking about a job. You ain't kick no money to us. This is a money game. And we as black people have got to understand we actually have leverage. We buy stuff and we vote. And if y'all want to play games and you don't want to actually properly invest in black on media and political campaigns, Biden Harris, DSCC, DCCC, all of those progressive PACs, environmental uh, groups, Emily's List, Planned Parenthood, NARAL. Brother, you understand in 2022, $9 billion was spent on the campaigns total in America. $9 billion. Sinclair announced they made $314 million on political advertising in 2022. Media companies right now are, are expecting 20-30% increase in revenue because of politics, and that's what's going to pay for them in 2025, and they're going to get over in 25 and wait for 2026 for more political campaigns because of the midterms. But folks want us to take the crumbs. Now, nah, bruh. I ain't taking the crumbs and I'm going to tell somebody, no, if you come to me with small amount of money and guess what, if, and I'm, I, Hey, I'm, I'm just leave you out with this one. The war not campaign did the exact same thing. They came to me, but I got a phone call in uh, September. They were like, yeah, we, we could get you 25,000 out of Val Demons campaign and 25,000 out of war. Not. I literally said, fuck y'all. 
<laughs> It'll be I'll be all. Not work. Hey, I can pull the text. I I say it. Yeah, that's the energy. That's the energy. That's that. We gotta say that's a blackout, man. I said I will keep my black ass at home. Good luck. Big facts. No, they wanted the the call was hey we. It, we want you to broadcast, be on the road, be on the campaign. I was like, for 25? I said, that's one day on the ground. I said, I got, I travel with five people. I said, we got cameras, lights, that's travel, per diem, hotel room. That's their fee. What? Yep. I said, yeah, well, we're good. Preparation, talking points. Yeah. And again, and again, again, I'm like very clear. I know what you're spending. And I literally, I hit, I sit in the Warnock. I said, say, bro, that ain't happening. I will talk. And so people, and I already know, man, look, I already, look, I already know what they say about me. Oh, arrogant ass, Roland Martin. He's Same here, we twins, ain't it? Boy. No, I done heard all that shit. You know your guess, value. Guess what, bro? That's why I'm transparent. I tell my audience, y'all, that's 20,000. That's 60,000. That's a hundred thousand. That's fifteen thousand. I walk them through. That's what my audience, when they give to me, they understand. I'm like, y'all, I'm explaining to y'all what this shit costs. So when the camp, so when the campaigns or corporation try that crap with me, I'm sitting there going, no, y'all don't do that. Y'all don't sit here. Uh, I know what y'all spending for the activation over here, and it's only reaching five hundred to a thousand people. Man, invest. There's no reason in the world. The major corporate brands, especially those in the financial areas, every one of them should be jockeying at a bare minimum to be spending five hundred thousand to a million at investments. For the audience bare is there, minimum. Bare minimum. Yep. I stood there and I was like, "Yo, this ain't hard." Twenty thousand folks sitting in the room. These are people who are trying to launch businesses. These people who are going to need financial services. Okay, if you are if you are an accounting uh, company, if you're sitting here, Arthur Anderson or whatever, you're like, oh, no, I got to be in this spot because that's what it is. But they play a small. And historically, the problem is black people were so broke. We go, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that five thousand. Thank you for that ten thousand. And man, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you, no. I mean, I, I'd rather sit my ass at home and go play golf. For real. And and and. and and I told a sister that on the call today, I got this man. And this is what happens when we got entrepreneurship in your family. Why am I so hardcore? My grandmother catering business, brother. I catered for 23 years from seven to 30 years old. I watched when families would come in and sit with my grandmother and book a wedding. The bride and the bride's mama. I'm over there. We only live eight blocks from them. I'm on the couch watching TV cartoons or good times um, or the Jeffersons with the fiance, with the fiance or the groom or the bride's uh, daddy. And my grandmother was sitting there, man, for three, four, five, six hours. And they going over the whole thing with a wedding. I mean, aisle runners, silk flowers, fresh flowers, glass plates, plastic plates, candelabras. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, I, I mean I've done 300 weddings. So I, everything, everything I, know, I know all about it. And they, she would then have a, get down to the bottom and it might be 17,000, 20,000, 25,000. And they'd be like, oh, Miss Lamont, I'm sorry. You know, all we got is 7,500 for the wedding. 
Why you didn't bring your ass in here and tell me you had $7,500 with me sitting here for five damn hours going over this bullshit and you want everything in the world and come to $25,000? So when companies come to me, they, uh, no, no, we ain't doing all that. What's your budget? What's your budget? And what do you want to do a one week, a one day, one week, uh, a month, three months, six month, 12 month deal? What do you want to do? Because I'm not about to waste my time putting a whole proposal together. That's five, seven hundred fifty thousand. They go, oh, I'm sorry, Roland. All we have is 50. Now, you're going to tell me 50 up front. So I know I'm not wasting my damn time. I know somebody might be saying, damn, bro, you real hardcore. But I watched that because you know what the downstream was with my grandmother? She couldn't pay my daddy what he was worth to cook. He was the chef. She couldn't pay us the worth when it comes to setting the stuff up. Brother, I got $50. Now, granted, when you're 10 years old, shit, $50 a lot. But do you understand? Me and my brother would go to my grandmother's house Monday through Friday preparing for the Saturday wedding. And then we would be up at 6 o'clock in the morning going to my grandmother's house to pack the van. And then we would get in that van and go to the church and set the church up and set the reception up. And then the people would be there to 8, 9 o'clock. And then we would then come back home and sit here and unload that stuff. And then on Monday, come right back and wash those dishes and get everything for the next doggone wedding. That was because I made $50. But if my grandmother was charging them right, my grandmother could have paid me $250. And that's why my deal today is you ain't playing me small. No, you're not playing me small because I can't pay my videographer. I can't pay my producer. I can't pay my rent. I can't pay my live streaming unit if you're going to see the nickel and dime me. So I'd rather uh, I take I sit at home and uh, and get zero. What you're not going to do is underpay me. And that's just why I, I roll the way I roll, bro. That's just Free it. Free or for a premium. I agree. That's it, man. If they're going to give me a $20,000 headache, Pay me 20 grand, but you're not going to pay me 1500 and give me a $20,000 headache. It's not going to happen. That's me and my soapbox. Sorry about that. <laughs> pay, us, pay us like you owe us. Yeah, because we're going to deliver. Come That'll on, man. We're going to deliver. We're going to deliver. We're going to deliver on social. And when, when clients come to me, I tell them, man, we're going to deliver. The broadcast is going to be tight. We bring the show locally. We broadcast from that event. We're going to drive social. All that sort of stuff. We gonna we are going to deliver value. We gonna give you the impressions. My team, when they come to us, man, we had some agencies that were pissed because we delivered that report. They were like, damn, they they, they, they hit the numbers. Because see, here's where everybody watching don't understand. Company come to you and they go, we got two hundred fifty thousand for you in advertising. Then they go, but we need you to get twelve million impressions. You ain't getting twelve million impressions now. The networks, if they don't hit the number, they go, oh, we just do some make goods. But see, they want to hit us for make goods. So yeah. you thought you're going to get 250, but then you only going to do 2 million impressions. So they're going to pay you on the 2 million impressions. So you thought you were getting 250. Now you're only getting 15. Mm -hmm. So you were budgeting at 250. So when they come in with that, I tell them, no, 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 we ain't doing that. I say, I know that game. See, game, recognize game. And when you recognize the game, and when you sit in the meetings and go, no, no, when I told one company, I said, yeah, uh, that 12 million impressions, that ain't going to work because it's bullshit. Yo, what, what you just did just now, the game you just gave? Masterclass. Listen, game, listen, I hope they write that down. Please do. And execute on that. That right there? Because that moved the goalpost. Oh, bro. And they don't want to net day you. I'm, and we done seen it. We saw it. We see it. Bro, I, that's exactly hey, I, how it happens. 
I had a company sit here and go, all right, so um, we might not have a pre-rolls. So in your proposals, how much of the proposal is a pre-rolls? I said, no, that's value add. Yeah. I go, that's value add. The, I said, that, that, that's a number. I said, at 200, that's production costs. I knew what they were trying to do. Yeah. They wanted me to say, of the $200,000 proposal, 75000 is for the ads. So we drop the ads, we're gonna pay you 125. Yeah, no, you're not gonna itemize my proposal. Nope, nope. that's 200 pre rolls. Nope. See, here's what I do I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give you all of this. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm gonna give you all of this for $350,000. The actual value, if I went a la carte, is really 500000 Yeah. But if you commit to the 350, I'll give you all of this. That's, I mean, it's it's called, look, business do two for one, three for one. We know why they do that. But what they try to do is they want to, well, can we separate? No. No. That's the proposal, which forces them to go. So now what's your number? Oh, all you have is 75. Okay. I'm taking all of this off. All of this off. Like, I and look, I got a phone. I got 10 grand from a campaign in September. They hit me uh, in October. So we got a new spot. I said, I'm, I'm sorry. What do you mean your new spot? I said, oh, that 10,000, that lasted a week. I said, oh, y'all thought I was still running. Yep. I said, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was running five weeks of commercials for 10,000? I said, no, that got burned off. Yeah, try it. And it's the messed up part. There are some creators that will take it and be happy. That, well, that, that throws the wrench in the game, right? And that, yeah. yeah they they that like, I can get, rather than giving him the 20, I'll find 100 people I can give $200. And I, you know what I do? Go right ahead. We're good. I'm going to play golf. Yeah. See, I mean, I'm just, again, we as African Americans have got to demand and make clear, no is a complete sentence. No. No. And I've said, y'all call me arrogant, cocky, a son of a bitch, mean-spirited, nasty. I'm sorry. My operation, Roland Martin Unfiltered, my daily show, Farage Daily Show, D. Barnes, Deborah Owens, Reverend Jackie Hood Martin, Greg Carr, Stephanie Humphrey, Rolling with Roland, additional stuff we do is one hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars a month. Period. The, the the freelancers. That's the number. One hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars a month. My responsibility is to is to minimum break even, but the goal is to do a profit. So I don't have to lay anybody off. So if you come to me small, understand. No, I I start in January, knowing exactly how much I got to make. Man, my bookkeeper and my CFO, they send me a report. I said, stop. I don't need to know all that shit. I need my bottom line base number every month. Roland, if the number this month is 95, Roland says, I got to go out and go find me 95 grand. Now, I know I got in the bank. But I got to find me 95. That's just how I, I keep it real simple. It ain't complicated to me. I got to spend 95. I got to go get 95. And if I go get 150, that means I got to get 40. I got to get uh, less than 50 grand next month. That's just how I roll. I keep it real simple. What you're not going to do, and again, it's my grandmother. I, she passed away a few years ago. Dog, it is in my DNA. I am not going to do what that woman did. 
I am not going to give you. We did amazing weddings. And I sat there, bro. And I, I'm going to I never forget, man. We were negotiating this. And I was 16. Mind you, I wasn't 10 anymore. I was 16, 17. And we were at this church. And it was this family. They were having the 50th anniversary for their parents. And man, they were nickel and diamond over a damn fish mold uh, of like um, tuna or whatever out of that fish mold and fruit trays. That, I said, excuse me, the fruit tray is this, the fish mold is it, this is this. Man, my grandmother shot me a look. She was mad as hell. But I was, and so when it was over, she was like, brother, what are you doing? I said, I said, mother, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of sitting here with people who can afford it and they tripping on $25 or $35. The fruit tray is this. That's what it is, man. She was hot with me for weeks. But I watched this, and this is what happens when we get older. And now we ain't got money. And now somebody owned a business, and now they broke. Because for 20 and 30 years, they took nickels when they should have been yeah, taking yeah. dollars. No, I'm not going to do it. It's not going to do it. And I told this one person, I said, let me tell you something right now. I said, I will shut this shit down. Close my office down, move my ass back to Texas where I still own my house, set up, set up my studio like I got my studio in my house right now. I said, and do my show, be a stream yard every damn day. I said, and go play golf five days a week. And I said, I still gonna give speeches. I'm still gonna sell my book. What I'm never gonna do is take less than what I'm worth. Not oh, gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Let that be the lesson. Nor should you. Rolling, man. It's been. It's always. It's always good, man. This this pivoted. Actually, wasn't really expecting a business conversation, but that was actually extremely insightful um, conversation that I I think a lot of people, especially the creator economy, we talk a lot about the creator economy, but a lot of creators are not educated properly on you know working with corporate, knowing their value, saying no. So um, that's something. The political conversation is important, but that's extremely important as well from the from the business yeah. side for sure. Oh, so. Remember, it's money in political and money in corporate. M- Listen, it's one federal agency that shares along with the White House, Treasury. The yeah. White House is power, Treasury is money. Money, our money, money, power. If you are not having a money conversation, you are not having an American conversation. That's a fact. That's a fact. That is a fact. Follow the money to find uh, the power. Appreciate it, brother. How, how can the people watch hey. it for our, for our audience if, if, they're, if they're not watching your programs? How can they how can they we, watch your programs? Roland Martin on the filters live every day, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we have uh people go, go to the Black Slot Network app, uh, our YouTube channel, our fast channel. We on Amazon Fire, Amazon Freebie, Amazon Prime Video, also Plex TV. Uh but I got to say this to our folks. Giving is important. I purposely people told me to charge a subscription fee. I didn't want to do that because I knew some of our people couldn't pay to every month. And so my target goal is to have 20,000 of our fans who give on average 50 bucks a year. That's four dollars and 19 cents a month, 13 cents a day. What that then does is it again fortifies us uh, when it comes to going because we're still fighting the battle with advertisers. Man, I can tell my audience we're not here today. Without them in five years, my fans have given two million. I don't see in them hats or t-shirts. I say, y'all, your money is going into the show. And so when they see the how the show is improving, we add shows, they see where their money is going. Uh, and so I tell so we created a bring the funk fan club for that very reason. 
Uh, and so I've had people give me, man, at an old black woman in Atlanta at the airport. She's, oh my God, I love you. She says, all I have is this dollar. I said, baby, your dollar is just as important as somebody giving me a thousand. And that's how we built this. And so people can go to blackstarnetwork.com. They can go to Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, PayPal, R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo's RM Unfiltered, Zell, Roland at Roland S Martin.com, Roland at Roland Martin Unfiltered.com. And man, we got some black people who don't like none of that stuff. And they will sit here and say, damn that, Roland. And Nate, I'm not lying, y'all. They send me checks and money orders every month because they say I don't trust none of that stuff. Uh, and so it cracks me up when that check come in. And guess what? That check cashed the same damn way as that Venmo. Uh, so uh, people hit me at P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Uh, and, you know, man, I just I, I tell people I don't I don't. Black people, man, they get it. The black people who watch and listen to y'all, they get it. They know Absolutely. it. And, but we got to support it. We spend our money on a whole bunch of stuff. And, Doc, we got to support it because the knowledge that y'all are dropping, and then what we do, they ain't getting this. We, they ain't getting on MSNBC or CNN or CNBC or Bloomberg. And so we got to support our knowledge centers. It's enough gossip. It's enough entertainment. It's enough sports. I mean, I get it. Talk about the Grammys and Jay-Z's speech, all that sort of stuff like that. But no, <laughs> we need hardcore information that's changing our community. Thank, Thank you, you, brother. So much, brother. Appreciate Thank you, you. Appreciate you. And Thanks, um, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, huh? I'm sure our, our, our paths will cross shortly. Sure. Yeah, we're, we're going to cross paths. So. I'm going to send y'all an email with the link to them LED lights. So when y'all live from a hotel, y'all can have some color. Yeah, send that over. Do that over, please. So y'all can see be inconspicuous. Like, oh like, what is it? Oh no, we just like we in the spot. We in the spot. They won't have no idea you're in the hotel room. <laughs> Looking out. The show travels. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Portable studio, baby. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, brother. I appreciate it. Y'all be well. All, All right. right. Have a good one. Take care. Bro, Another bro. one like Tiffany comes on, just dominates the segments. Yeah, that was good a lesson to learn for all my entrepreneurs when you get interviewed. Come on and just eat up space and dominate. Yeah. From a media standpoint, especially to watch what we've done in five years, to hear him give that game, that was invaluable. The, the things he's talking about, we've actually seen. They've at, we've actually experienced. We've had to combat. Yeah. We've had to change game plan. That was that was it, man. That was a massacre. Yeah, definitely. A very, very insightful conversation. Um from the political side, I always said like, you know, financial literacy should be taught in school, but also politics should be taught in school as well, right? Like if we really have a democracy, how are people not educated on basic level information when it comes to who who's actually running the country, the judicial system, the difference between state and federal, you know, so many different things that most people have no idea about. Um, so it's crazy that most schools, um, that's not part of the curriculum so um uh, democracy is an illusion yeah, i think they do that in like fifth grade social studies sixth grade social studies but i mean it goes back to some when we talk about things that are intentionally not done because if you understood the political system and you understood the financial system you i mean you've equipped yourself with the tools to be unstoppable yeah 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 well what do you say white house treasury Tre Money? treasury is what Power. really matters the money and the power. Yeah. There it is. Yep.
Yeah, he just sent us the LED light, so we'll be out. Thanks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Next time we're on the road, you're going you're gonna to get the whole Boogie Nights vibes. That's a fact. <laughs> it's going to be a vibe. Ian, man, it was that was a great show, man. We all we talked about um, Uber. We talked about Apple. We talked about Meta. Then we talked about can we talk about Lily real quick and yeah, video? Yeah, let's, yeah let's, for sure. Let, let's let's uh let's go into that. Like lightning round. Let's just do a quick lightning round because it. I mean, last week we talked about the big tech, and we were you know focusing on earnings season. But tomorrow morning, before you know the bell opens, Eli Lilly will be reporting, and I want oh, you, baby. I want Ian, I want you to really take the floor and and shine in this segment, man, because you've been talking about Eli Lilly for a very long time. Um, it's crossed over seven hundred today. Uh, they'll be reporting. Snap will be reporting. Chipotle, another one that's just, I mean, if you've been watching. Monster. Chipotle, just, I can't say enough about that. Ford, Elf, another company we talked about and the growth that they've had over the past year. We report and, and Fortin it. But uh, t- let's talk about uh, Eli Lilly. We, we we know about the the, the earnings is coming. We told Moderna, uh weight loss is, I mean, the business, they're expecting it for go, to go from a $3 billion industry to somewhere between twelve to twenty billion dollars within the next five to six years. Let's talk about Lily, man. Told you, Mike clipped this up. That, that's all. No, no, I want us in as a team, right? Because Rashad have my back, Troy have my back on Meta. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Lily, we're a team, dynasty, right? Um, they're performing like a tech stock, and I, I have always said, like, if Apple and Microsoft couldn't be my top two, healthcare would be the sector that I focus on, and Eli Lilly is the most dominant player in that space. Will the earnings be great? I think the earnings will be fine, but long-term, continue to hold on to it. Will they split? If I own the company, I would not. If they get to 810 or 820 in eight months, I'm sure they'll have the conversation. But this has been a hell of a run. Uh, We've been all-star in Indianapolis. Shout-out to everybody in Indianapolis who's been investing in Eli Lilly for years. I think this is one of the best stocks in American history. Please continue to hold for the long term. Chipotle earnings, I think they'll be great. And uh, Ford, mm, not so much. But Elf, I love um, a lot. So those three I'm looking forward to this week. Yeah, we got Wednesday. We got Uber, which we just talked about. Uh, PayPal, Disney, Arm, and Alibaba. Uh, been watching Alibaba. China's in trouble, yo. Now, once again, if Kiyosaki would have made the prediction in China, hey, uh, Evergrande went under. They did the stock buyback program. It's not going as well as everyone would hope. It's going to be a tough couple of years in in um, the Chinese stock market. But, you know, if you've been listening to the show for the last couple of years, you knew that already. So if I've made you money, please put yes in chat. And, and to old boy, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. You thought you had me with the meta thing. But next time I'm in the meta building, I will go live. Shout mm-hmm. to my guy, hold your head. But shout to B4, John Ren, John Ren Sr., Marn. Y'all go Google who those people are. Oh, oh boy, you know who you are. For free or for a premium. I'm rocking with premium. We, we got Thursday. We got a firm Expedia and the one I told you to put on your watch list, uh, Cloud Flare. Yes. Uh, be reporting. A firm has had a, a, a sort of a rebound over the, the past uh, 12 months um, yep. from some of their lows in 2022. Expedia, I know that, like when we talk about travel, we don't like to put our money in motors or things that 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 run by motor. But when you're talking about a travel company, we spoke about bookings. But Expedia, as we start to see, they are the one. They are they they have uh, 
they have an interesting story to tell. So I'll be interested in watching what they, they report on Thursday. They are the uh, cartel of self-care travel for real. Like, and the legacy of leadership there has been phen- phenomenal. Um, so if I wanted to do like a dark horse in a sector that I normally don't invest in, I definitely like them a lot. And um, price targets for NVIDIA. Um, I have NVIDIA going to 763.20 sometime this year. Next year, I have them at 1,027.54. So I gave you my meta price target, which Rashad brought up. I appreciate the alley-oop. Um, in a year from now, I have uh, NVIDIA going to 2,027.54. And sometime this year, they should get to 763.20. If I made you money, please put yes in chat. Yeah. Gold, Goldman has updated them. Uh, they raised their, their price target to 800 today. Uh, so it hit it hit a peak of six ninety three. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we're running. I don't know. Listen, I'm gonna be honest. Too many people were not on an AMD Nvidia wave. It's like Duncan and, and Victor Wimbiyama. How you say his name? You got it perfectly. And you know, we got we gotta find the tape, Mike. Maybe you can find the tape uh, when we had this Market Mondays call. It was a late night call, and uh, you and I were going back back and forth about Nvidia, and we were talking about some of the some of the calls that we were looking at and yeah I just remember i was like look man this this 205 call shot the old boy who would say it was too expensive and i i can't we gotta go back to the tape to figure out his name but yeah he said it was too expensive didn't really see the, the the value in it that same call today you know what the percentage is on that right now what is it 895 percent. not bad i'll take it actually i am taking it <laughs> <laughs> not, not bad job well done um before we wrap up can we say a quick prayer and send our condolences to peloton michael i'm sorry <laughs> but peloton is at another, three dollars another 20 percent drop ah finito yeah i'm sorry murder yeah. spiritu santo all that it's over with yeah over with tough one mike we we love you um and we know every man's gonna make his own decisions. And uh, sometimes peer intervention is important, uh, but sometimes that doesn't work. So uh, congratulations to you, you played yourself. Stop it. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> that that's, that's my brother, love you, bro. Yeah, it, it's over with, it's over with. Fitness yeah. and for sure in that uh, brokerage space, two spaces I absolutely hate. Planet Fitness is doing pretty good overall, but historically if you have to rely on people being consistent every day that that isn't a business that i want to invest in shout out to all of the peloton holders out there um blackout new show myself and ian dunlap unfiltered uncut 10 p.m this wednesday yes you too um this is something that we've been talking about for a while this is going to be yeah, we're going to be getting into all of the things that we can't talk the about. The four wives play. Rashad, you got your lineup set up? <laughs> Let me call them all. We can do like a baddies Hall of Fame and get Talk, crazy. Talking all the shit. Yeah, man. We, so that's <laughs> it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Unfiltered, uncut, blackout, 10 p.m. Yes. Wednesday. Streaming. Look um, what they choose to do with that celebrity. <laughs> These are the people you elect to be the new Martin and Malcolm, and this is what they do. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> Just my thoughts. Yes, sir. <laughs> when I'm nervous, I tell the truth. <laughs> that was a great line. Shout out to Jay. That is a great line. Shout out to Kid Nas Escobar. Chopped oh, up with him this weekend. Pleasure. 
Shout out to Snoop Dogg. Chopped it up with him this weekend. Shout out to Steve Stout. Yes, legend. Chopped it up with him this weekend. Um, Rants a lot of people. Yeah, man. Rants. 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 His his compound is crazy, man. Like, if you have an academy, that's Professor X to me. Nah, shout out to Rance, nah. man. That Six years, amazing. what they built? Amazing. Amazing. With, with, with that whole facility is just next level, man. Shout out to shout out to them, man. For and shout out to Mass Appeal. They got a dope hip hop exhibition. So um, if you get a chance, if you're in LA, I think it's running for another month. Mm-hmm. Um, hip hop to infinity. Shout out to Black Sam. Shout out to the Marathon team. They got that, they got a dope part. They got a segment in their in their exhibition, a marathon segment. Um yeah. So, uh, and shout out to most deaf that dress not hip hop. That's me. You can zoom in on me if you want. It's a kill. He says it's a kill. It's, it's an African. You're going to get killed by Anita Max Ween. <laughs> Keep playing. It's an African. Keep playing with that boy. <laughs> okay. You'll be knocking at your when, door. When you and J. Cole jump on you first, then Drake pause. Okay. You're going to get killed. Acting like Roddy Piper. Got the most. Damn. what you want. Damn. Where Brooklyn at? Well, you from Brooklyn? BK, yeah, best uh home with the boy Biggie. Hey, Jack and that. <laughs> <laughs> what would Big say? What would Big say? Nah, dude. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> Old Brooklyn, not that new shit. Uh, yeah, man. But, nah, but it's been real. Shout out to everybody in LA. Grammy, Grammy weekend. Uh-huh. You back in love with LA, right? Yeah, we had a good time out here, man. Very, Santa Monica vibes, you know. Very um productive. Inspiring. Yes. Weekend. Yeah, for we, sure. We got we got some stuff. We got some stuff on the way by means of LA. So yeah, always good to be here. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I don't want to go either, but you know, thanks yeah. for having my back on the meta thing too. Shout out to everybody at Meta having my back about the meta thing. So yeah. love camaraderie. So love. Love is the only way. Love is the yeah. answer. Yeah. Love is the answer, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Love. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.